nothing says old times like recording an entire podcast and then finding out afterwards that there is big breaking news. And don't you know it? It happened in the reunion pod. It's unreal, man. Just Just can't make this (laughs) stuff up. So you're not hearing the intro music right now because we recorded an entire podcast without the knowledge that Ed O'Dron will not be back as LSU's head coach in the year 2022, as Ross Dellinger reported. So fittingly, we're going to react to that at the top. And everything that you hear when we're talking about LSU, whether or not Ed O'Dron saved his job, um, yeah, just kind of ignore what we were saying about well, that. We thought he wouldn't, though. I mean, we'd like, yeah, this is a worst kept secret, I feel like, and um, besides his murder fishing holes that he referenced loosely on that <laughs> on that very Louisiana show. mafia type wow. of type of deal there yeah yeah you're right it, it is the worst kept secret and there was a feeling coming out of Lexington that he was going to be gone within 24 hours of that day and so then why if you are Scott Woodward do you decide to make that move now instead of waiting till the end of the year and we've talked about that with with the USC why mm-hmm. do you get out ahead of this stuff? And what's the point of doing something this far in advance? Is it simply trying to help your recruiting, trying to see if you can get a head coach uh, that maybe you can interview now and get ahead of the rest of the pack? I don't know. What I do know is that probably before we move on from talking about Ed Odron, we should at least tip our cap in a a certain way for the job that he did, because this is going to be overshadowed, right? Without doubt. When we were recording pods in 2019, the guy could do no wrong. And there wasn't enough pause. There wasn't enough positive things that we could really say about him. And he went 49 and 17 as LSU's head coach, 13 and five in games against top 10 teams. And then when was this? That's all time, right? That's yeah. Okay. Cause I was about to look it up. So I'm glad you did that. Um, 13 and five. And and let me ask real quick, because this is something I did this stat before the season. Um, 13 and five against top 10 teams, right? 13 and five against top 10 teams. Bruce Feldman had that, that tweet out also, by the way, in case you were wondering, LSU is expected to pay the entire $17 million buyout. It's not even like that that much, man. Like, okay, listen, put this in perspective. Okay. This is what like, I, I know to be true from $17 million. That is a lot of money, right? That is much for us. And I, and I totally get it. Well, we make more than that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, like, well, I mean, you do. I, I, I put a cap at 6.9 million for myself a long time ago. Cause that's just, nice. you know, it's just called morals. So, um, it, but like after the UCLA loss, cause there were rumblings of this even last year, the Pelini thing really like did not, this is like put, put everything into motion. And then on top of that, you have all the stuff coming out, like off the field issues, but not him, but like how the program is being run, his involvement, in some of the stuff they, they didn't report or whatever, but they, the AD after the UCLA game, that you know, they, they he went to the boosters, the people that would be able to help raise this money for the the buyout money. This is why I always tell you this: it's like they're crazy because they have more money than to do with, right? It took less than forty eight hours to raise I, I, less than forty eight hours to raise the buyout money. The buyout money has been in place since they lost to to UCLA in Los Angeles in week two. Think about that. A lot of people are going to look back on his tenure and say he is who we thought he was. And this was a bad hire from the jump. And, and I'll always disagree with that. And mm-hmm. we're, we're going to talk about him in a different sort of way. And I always wince. I'll, I'll be honest. And, and part of this is, is personal bias because we've, we've gotten to know him as well 
but but the the comps to Gene Sizek are going to continue to be there. And I think that there are some different circumstances that have led into both of the reason why they were right. let go at their respective jobs. And so I, I don't necessarily want to get into all that, but we do this thing with with confirmation bias. We've talked about that before. And with that Ogeron, there are a lot of people who were just ready to rip LSU the second he failed. And so maybe did that have something to do with why this happened in the fashion that it did? Um, yes and no. Yeah. When you're as yes bad no. as you were in 2020 and the things that happened removed. with the opt-outs a year removed from that national championship, you know what? Some of this would have happened to anyone, much less someone who was involved um, in the role that he is as a defendant in the Title IX case right now. But this belief that he couldn't coach, I'll always disagree with because he made hires that for, forever Ever. LSU fans will always appreciate and say, and this is the danger right now of trying to replace uh, your, your head coach and trying to get back to that 2019 level, which I don't think should be the bar. That, that should be an outlier type season. It should be 2007. It right. should be 2011, 2012. Like that, that type of era should be what LSU aspires to be. But the danger now is saying, well, oh, you know, we got to recreate that magic in 2019. Maybe you call lightning in a bottle, but he did that in a way that very few people who have ever coached in this sport could do. And nobody can ever take 2019 away from him and from LSU fans. I, yeah. And I think like, like they've over the last 27 years, they've been one of the most steady and impressive programs in the country. I always bring up the fact like before Saban, they were, they had three winning seasons in 11 years at LSU. Like he turned that program around. Then you give it to less miles and less miles did all these things. I, I think that it's human nature for us. Once we get success that we want to keep having success. And, but like it, at some point you also have to have like realistic expectations. This is an odd comp, but I'll say like, think about the Clemson quarterback situation with like, you had Deshaun Watson following Taj Boyd, right? And then you have this like generational quarterback that leads you to a national championship. How do you replace that? Oh, you bring in the number one recruit of all time who leads you to, who's the other generational quarterback leads you to the national championship. Now they're not used to having like success and it's like a two loss season. And I know that seems drastic because of the difference between, you know, the positions, coaches, all that kind of stuff. Coach O is the reason why you got Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is the reason we won the national championship. He recruited all that talent. Did he get a little ahead of his skis with some of the stuff he was saying? No doubt. Yes, absolutely. But we all were along for the ride. Nobody told him not to. Like, like outside of Bama fans, I don't think anybody was like, oh, you should have done that, coach. Like, you think about, ES, think about ESPN as like the worldwide leader in sports in the morning after that Bama LSU game. You have like these like former LSU alums like just casually looking at him, like smoking cigars. He brought all of that to, to like college football. We, we were all along for the ride. And we had a, we had a blast. They, they beat my team and we, we had a blast 13 and five against top 10 teams, 13 and one against top 10 teams, not named Alabama Four of those losses were to a number one team in the country. I, I think that we joked around this about joked around about this later, about defending him. The Pelini thing was a, was a bad start. And I don't know if he'll, he'll ever be it, like how he'll be remembered. If it's like a fluke, the lightning in the bottle, I think you did in a lot of ways. But also, like, you look at the record he had before that against top 10 teams and top 25 teams as an interim coach for USC and LSU, where he went six and two at each spot. And, like, that's a tough job to do, man. That, like, to be an interim head coach when you know that you're probably not going to get the job. 2018 will always be the forgotten year, too, that yeah. LSU got to a New Year's Six Bowl because they hadn't got to one in the BCS era. And people kind of forget that. 
and then and that was the year he was supposed to be on the hot seat and he's on yeah and th- that that totally changed things so yeah and odron's gonna have a complicated tenure to look back on there's there's no way around it and yeah. we'll, we'll kind of see what happens with lsu moving forward we you'll you'll see as we get into the podcast later we talk one of the names that we threw out there mel tucker who is yeah. reported is, is going to be a candidate lane kiffin is going to continue to be a candidate until he's not what about I, james franklin what about joe brady I if you were picking all, so crystal ball is, is fascinating because when I suggested that he would be a candidate at USC and I, all these people push back and say, why would he ever leave Oregon for USC? That's such a lateral move. Eugene sucks. Like, he's not paid that well. He's his not wife paid Scott it. Woodward money. No, he's not. And I'll tell you what, while we're here, what I was told from somebody that's like in the same business as us and a little and further ahead than either of us is, um, I brought the crystal ball thing because I was like, that's like the only hot take I've made all year that was remotely accurate, I thought. And um, they said that his wife wants out of Eugene. It's been very vocal about that. He will he will definitely interview. But it seems like almost a foregone conclusion that that's the guy that's, that takes over for Saban. See, I think Miami is, is, mm-hmm. is crystal ball. is the job that's going to be tough for him to turn down yeah. and, and having that nostalgia factor and, and all that that goes into it. But he's going to get a raise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so right, at the very least, right? He got a raise this this past year in 2020 to be the fourth highest paid coach in the Pac-12. So, the, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, you, yeah real he's quick, not paid think, that well. What, what's Coach O's next stop? Do you think he's, do you think he's ever a head, a head coach again? or? I think he's better suited to be a coordinator. Like some people are better suited in that world. Yeah. He can get his hands dirty in recruiting. Maybe he goes and becomes, I don't, I don't think he would do this from an ego standpoint. I don't think he's at this stage in his career, but it'd be fascinating to see him go, go to USC and be a part of that new staff there and be the defensive coordinator there. Um, because you can know he could recruit the crap out of it. Yeah. Uh, maybe he takes a year off. You could see him doing something like that. I have no idea, but I think he's better suited to be a coordinator than maybe than maybe a head coach. And I know that's kind of strange because he wasn't a coordinator before. Right. But I think from an ego standpoint now, he's kind of like, well, look, I was As one of the top five highest paid coaches in college football. I delivered the best, arguably the best college football season of all time. A lot of moving pieces with this going on right now. Scott Woodward's going to bring out the, he's going to bring out the wood though. We know that. Yeah. It was, and it's funny too, like because like, you know they're going to put him on TV, which is going to be a, a train wreck I can't wait for. But uh, I don't know. You don't I think don't so? Like, uh, this season, somebody will put his ass on TV, guaranteed. Uh, well, he's he, so that's that's the other caveat here. He's, oh, yeah. he's going to be with the team for the rest of the season. And then after 2020 or after the 2021 season, they will be making the change. And maybe part of this is, is because of recruiting and you don't want the yeah. negative recruiting out there. So you can kind of just say, well, just, just come to LSU and we'll take, we promise it will be the right coach for you. So you can kind of do something like that. But it's weird. It's going to be weird for the, yeah, the, for the next month or so that he's going to be coaching there and to know that he's just, he's just gone and he's not retiring or anything like that. Strange. I, I lived through the Dubose year in t- 2000 when he had won the SEC championship year four and they were ranked thir- like third in the start of the season or preseason and they went three and eight and they did this. I, I, I think that this, the way he is, you saw it yesterday. I hope, hopefully that wasn't just like the end of it for him, right? That, but I feel like his personality and the, how much he's loved uh, still like by his team and stuff like that. I, do you think he can get like one more upset? Yeah. Yeah. If, he might actually be better right now. Right, he might right. be better moving forward. He's back in his interim type of role. Right, watch him pull off this this win against. No, he's not going to beat Bama, but watch him pull off this win against like A and M or something like that, in which he'll be an underdog. And I'm like, wow, yeah, that'd look be what Coach huge. O is able to do to rally the troops, and he'll get maybe players that are on board with that. 
Strange times, though. It'll be interesting version. to see what happens in Tuscaloosa. I'll say that because of the uh, like Saban. I don't think I've ever heard Saban directly speak to like a message like that last year about how they felt like they belonged like, in the same category as us, and we need to remind them that's not the case or something. It was like, oh god, yeah. So see how that goes. Yeah. So, all right, let's go to the rest of the reunion pod, which, oh man, uh, I think y'all enjoy it. So yes, here is the rest of Saturday Down South podcast slash college football tensor. Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast and college football and censor. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Marler, we're calling this a reunion pod, but yeah. I prefer to think of it as the best mashup since Tim McGraw and Nelly got together and blended their musical <laughs> talents into a piece of art. How are we doing? There's so many things that I never want to live down. Um, the tattoo that I got, uh, most of my takes about Georgia last season, not this season. Um, and then that, yeah, obviously that song is, it, it's just, I'm, I'm glad that's one of the five things I think even on Twitter, people still will never forget. What about Ryan Cabrera? That see, that is something I think people forgot until you just brought it up, jerk. So there's that's really rude. The Ryan Cabrera almost tattoo that never quite happened, but could have. Yeah, tour. <sighs> that's what this is, in my opinion. You know what? Listen, I tell you what, if, if Georgia wins a national title, we'll go get matching Ryan Cabrera tattoos. Let's not, because yeah, I think that's point, pretty yeah. I think that's pretty possible. Um not Should gonna go. Yeah, yeah, not gonna do uh, what that girl did, getting the Jimbo tattoo in the mouth. Um that was he I, I saw the video of that and I was so confused because it was she got the tattoo. He wasn't at the tattoo parlor, right? But because the transition was like he she just walks right from the chair to him, like, look, Jimbo. Too seamless. Um, a little bit too much there, where Jimbo yeah. just like wasn't gonna believe it until he actually saw this girl do that and why she did that. Um, ultimate it might mean too much, but anyways, yeah. yeah. Um, so we're not getting any tattoos. We're gonna we're gonna lay off the tats for a bit. I think we're we're good on that. We do have a lot of fun planned today, though. It's going to be great reunion pod that we're going to be able to dig into some fourth and wrong stuff at the end. We're going to recap a wild Saturday, of course, which included uh, golf balls getting thrown at Lane Kiffin. As you do. Yeah. How how else was that going to end other than in pure pandemonium, right? Like, Yeah, and, and borderline violence. You know, when you get Tennessee fans involved with anything that is like – um what is it? My therapist used to always call it self-destruction or mm. um, self-sabotage. It, it like it didn't hit me until after the 20 minute delay that I was like, oh, yes, this is how this would have unfolded, of course, especially in Knoxville. So I never root for people to get hurt, but I was sort of rooting for Joe Milton to throw a ball so hard <laughs> that it injures someone. Not not seriously, but just enough to like you know, have yeah. a little bit of more of a, of, a, of a fitting ending to that game or maybe throws the ball, you know, through the stadium and he, or maybe throws the ball up into the booth and knocks out an Ole Miss coach or, or something just not running out of bounds. I'll do you one better, Connor. What if he just throws the ball at all? People that are saying been, I think Tennessee fans would have wanted that. People are saying that would have been a, a good strategy to yeah. try and win a football game, but we still got an entertaining football game and I don't think we can really complain about the entertainment level that was provided. So that's, that's, that's the good news. So we're going to get to all that stuff. Like I said, fourth and wrong at the end that we're going to do, we're going to do some mid season takeaways, run through all the games, all of that. But first, so Marler, 
one of the things about doing our own pods, and by the way, just so, so that everybody knows, we, I mean, I guess we should probably set that at the top. Yeah. <laughs> Reunion episode. Yeah. Uh, we're still we're still continuing the format that we've been doing for the past. What have we been doing this for now? Like, like 10 eight, months, 10 and a half months. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Wow. It's that long. That's crazy. So we're still continuing with that format. Maybe we'll do, you know, every few months we do sort of a reunion pod or something. We're probably yeah. long overdue to um, do an It Just Meant More together as well. Yeah. That's something maybe we'll, maybe well, we'll we've that got that whole new podcast, but um but true. Yeah. We have uh-huh. Saturday Lives Forever. Saturday Lives Forever. But Saturday Lives Forever with Matt Hayes. It's great. And everybody yep. should go download it right now. A little bit of a different format mm-hmm. in terms of like the, the individual players and stuff. And it's kind of cool to see Matt dig into some of these moments and watching some of the videos that we've been able to produce with it. Right. Really cool. I feel like we like do us doing the it just meant more open the door yeah. for Saturday Lives Forever. I'll tell Matt that it that I think that I will too, but I'll, I'll do it on Twitter so it, it comes <laughs> from the heart. Um, um, no, I think I mean I, I'm totally down to watch old games. I think you know I've like I've really I feel like this year for some reason Jefferson Pilot has like the references have made a really big comeback and and uh, I don't know if that's what what channel or um we should watch an old Jefferson Pilot game because it still is pretty terrible. Um, oh yeah, it's just a bunch of overweight guys named Dave that were calling these games at eleven thirty. But I, I'm down to do one either way. So absolutely, a little yeah. bit different than our friends Tom, Jordan, and Cole who crushed it on that, that Tennessee broadcast last night. Goodness gracious, that was nuts. So one of the things that's different about doing our own pods, I talk about Texas Pete a lot now. Like oh, I don't do it at all. I, I stopped ever since we, <laughs> since we broke up that is that is a bold face lie very bold face lie. lie video straight fire as uh as many would say texas pete it's texas pete hot take of the week right yeah okay we got it yeah that's that's exactly what we're i don't know if i'm going to be able to come up with takes fire enough for the day um right. but what i have done talking about texas pete is i i have shared kind of some of the some of the recipes and some of the things that i've been able to do and right like now that. my big kick that i'm on is the texas pete wing sauce so i ask you do you have an air fryer yet no so we're not going to get into it but as you know a little bit of a transition over here in my life so i didn't i didn't take any of these things with me to my new place um michael spencer bilby has told me for like a year and a half like so you get an air fryer like yesterday yes i've heard nothing but good things we have one at the house oh you just don't use it well i mean like i mean i i have it but we've done like nuggets and stuff with texas pete mm. actually both the buffalo sauce so yeah it is a game changer, as I've said many, many a time. I'm all about the yeah. chicken thighs with the the Texas Pete buffalo sauce. Really, really good. If you are looking for new ways to to mix up whatever you're doing in the kitchen, and it doesn't just have to be chicken-based things, uh, Texas Pete goes on everything, as I've said before, cereal. our producer. Yes, Dan, Dan Matthews. Well, cereal is a little um, – you know what? I'm not going to say no to cereal. I'm not yeah. going to say no. Frosted okay. Flakes – Frost flakes are pretty good by themselves, but I, I would never rule out Texas Pete yeah. enhancing something. Dan Dan Matthews, our producer, has often suggested popcorn with Texas Pete, which sometimes popcorn's a little bit bland. Wasn't bland on Saturday night at Neyland, but you know. Texas Pete dust on the popcorn. Because I'm not trying to have my hands all wet with with popcorn. Oh, that's a good point. Um didn't think but about I like that. that idea. But the flavor, the flavor itself, yeah, Texas Pete yeah. does. Got to do something like that. So not only should you be getting your hands on some Texas Pete with or without, mm-hmm. hot, you know, popcorn, hot sauce, whatever it is, but you should be doing that because it is football season. Ooh. It is also such a great time for our listeners to go to texaspeat.com. And all you got to do is whatever you're interested in, recipes, t-shirts, hats, hot sauces by the box, do that. 
and then you're going to get 20% off your order. All you got to do is put in that promo code Saturday down South. That is all one word. That's all you got to do. TexasPete.com Saturday down South sauce. Like you mean it. Marla, how was that? Too, right. It's like, it, like all it, caps. So just imagine it's like me, me saying it like wh- mm. which would be a, a calm voice for most people, but like, or not most people, it's just be yelling. All one words. Voice. Correct. Just yeah. we're, we're not, we're not taking breaths. We're not taking pauses. How was that for a, for a Texas speed ad read? Was that good? I mean, it's, it's fine. I'll, I'll send some critiques afterwards, but I thought, I thought it was good. Sure. I mean, for, it's our okay. first time back. I mean, like we're right, we're right back into it. True. 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 All right. We got to start Ole Miss Tennessee, right? Like <laughs> I, I would have said no at the start of yesterday. And then my yeah. God, <laughs> they, sure just, chaos. they stole the show. I mean, that entire ending, the last, including the 20 minute delay, it was one long, it might mean too much. Yeah. I, yeah. Cole said vape pens, mustard bottles, uh, which we, we, we saw. Why does Cole know what a vape pen is? That's a question I want to ask him. I was just about to, to text him. Hey, if you if you truly have a vape pen at your feet, right. you need to on the next shot down to you do a, a long drag of the vape pen. Yeah, you I need to do that. I decided Especially not to though we're coming because out of a pandemic. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, I, I thought that would have been maybe poor taste on my part because he's like fearing for his life down there. But yeah, you know. Tom, I mean, Tom would have done it in a heartbeat easily. Yeah, you wouldn't have Probably had to ask Tom pen. to do that. Yeah, true. Good point. Crazy. And so a little context, if, if, you, if you're listening to this and maybe you missed the play and just saw the reaction, and, and maybe part of this even goes back to the Matt Corral forward progress play that happened in the first half, which was just bizarre, where it looked like he thought he was, he thought the play was dead. And then Tennessee looked like it had kind of a scoop and score. They call it back because of forward progress. So Tennessee fans were already pretty pissed off about the officiating. So, they, at that point. so uh, this is like, uh, I talked to a couple of like, friends of mine that were either Tennessee fans or like, you know, friends of Tennessee fans. And I get it. Cause every fan base is going to defend their team and for and the most part, defend their fans. And, and this was not something that was just because of that one bad call, but I would also argue, and this is not a shot at Tennessee fans. This is just my experience with them. And in, in a very large sample size, they weren't overreacting to that call or calls in the first step. Tennessee fans wake up every day and choose violence and, and anger. Fair. So Fair. I think, I think that had been few, like that, that whole thing started like that ball started rolling probably when he left in 2010 and then mm. they had to sit through Derek Dooley years. Good point. So a decade in the making was right. that <laughs> reaction. The, the play that, that sort of incited everything at the end, fourth and 24, Hennon Hooker finds his receiver over the middle. Somehow, some way, it looked like he landed on the line to gain or at least at it. I don't know why in the world in 2021 we're having an official run in from like 20 yards away and spot that. That's horrible. Absolutely horrible. Why don't we have cameras at the first down marker? Even worse. We, we have, have technology these- for it. We have 4K cameras and we can't get the most important camera angle of the entire freaking game it makes, in that moment. It, like, and we don't need to talk baseball, but it's like, if you just see it getting worse and worse and worse. And the, and the thing is, honestly, I feel like, like, I, and I don't want to get like on a soapbox about it yet. Cause you know, I'm going to get on one at some point during this, this, uh, <laughs> this episode, but like, you, I mean, you watch the Dodgers giants game. The check swing that, so I have a, I have a buddy who's in, who's in San Francisco. I think he was at the game. And he, he texted me at like two 30 in the morning, just like crocky, you know what? And then, so like, I, I was, of course I was in bed for like four hours at that point. 
This is I mean, college football uncensored Saturday on Slot Podcast. It was um, it was like, yeah, go ahead. It was same thing though. Like it's you're like, how 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 is this still happening? Right? Like that's that's the big takeaway that you see from from moments like that. I, I feel like we've we've allowed ourselves to get to this place where we we we're doing more with review. And remember, you, we were there together when Sankey was like, "We're gonna, we're gonna try to be as transparent as possible." So here's how: we got a Twitter handle. Like, dude, yeah, what? That is not cool. like that. Is like that, that's basically like, listen, we take all your concerns seriously. So we've hired the customer service staff from Spirit Airlines. They're gonna come in here and take all your complaints. Like, that's not helping. You're not doing anything, so you're making it worse. But like, you're you're seeing more and more in in like, I'm not saying this is why they make the calls, but inserting like officials inserting themselves into games in moments that you absolutely cannot do that in. I don't think, I don't know if that guy gets a hit off Scherzer. He's the best pitcher in baseball, like, like, you know, like the last decade or whatever. Pitch was nasty too. The pitch was nasty, but I know that you absolutely don't make that call, especially if there's a chance that it was even wrong in that situation. And you talk about last night, like what blows my mind. It seems like the more you hear of you, because this is going to shock you. I didn't see the first half play. Um, even with three TVs on, because I had the Braves on one channel. I had the Bama game. still going on the other channel, yep. you know, doing all the social media stuff. But every time it seems like the uh, the announcers are like, "Oh yeah, this is obvious. Like it's a, it's a fumble. You know, they're they're gonna overturn this." Almost undoubtedly, <laughs> like like the next response is, "It's not a fumble. He was down." Like from the officials, like, "Okay, cool." You're like, "Great. All right." So we're all on the the same page. I don't know how many times I need to watch Gene Serator tell us that something should be called the exact whatever way, and then they get on there and say, "Oh, actually, no, this this didn't happen." Right. Like that's just kind of par for the course. So like. This play happens, and the problem is that you don't even have a good enough angle to really overturn the ruling on the field. Right. So then, then it's it's and it's fourth down. You know, it's totally different if it's third down. Henry right. Tucker can reach across with his body and gain that if that was only third down. And then, but whatever the case, Tennessee fans then trash the field. Tennessee clears the band and the cheerleaders. It's this twenty minute delay. You don't know if they're going to forfeit or not. Meanwhile, <laughs> our our buddies are like just sitting there on air, like, what in the world is going? on right now but they described it as only tom jordan and cole could it was it was like it was like we're gonna have our first customer it, it was like it was like when you going to like a, a garage sale it like they were just the stuff that they were mentioning like the offhand things or like they were like oh here's a golf ball here's a bottle of mustard here's like and, and they're just pouring onto the field and and like there was, as soon as it started happening i was like here we go. This this is the tennis. And like, I'm not trying to say as a slight to Tennessee fans. I guarantee you we're going to get a lot of pushback, or you probably will, because of like people that haven't heard me talk about other teams in a while. Like, I, I think I know a lot of good good people that are Tennessee fans. Same. But I don't think that at any point what they were doing. I, I think they get to a point where they a, lot, a majority of them will wear this as like almost like a badge of honor, and you know, like like in and that like you know. It's like a mob mentality is very easy to get into, especially in a setting like that. But I mean, because it just it wasn't one person. It was no, it, it was wasn't. it was a you know like I saw a few things like you can't get mad about you know ten people doing this or a hundred people, and it was like if a hundred people were throwing that many water bottles, I, I just I, like here's so here's my take on this, and then I want to get your take on the some mustard theories that I might have. <laughs> the idea of throwing stuff onto a field. Do, do we really need to come out and say whether or not we're pro or against it? Rosillo put this best. He was like, basically, hey, um, I, I don't I don't think anybody really is. Th there's not really an opposite side to this discussion. We don't really all need to come out and, and yeah. scold Tennessee fans who like, like 
let's be honest, plenty of them are looking at that situation knowing that yeah, it's a bad look. It's a really bad look. And in that spot, mm. you know, you would hope that you'd handle it better. It didn't. It happened. Tennessee's going to get punished from Greg Sankey by the time that people are listening to this. We, that are, they'll, they'll have already seen the statement. They'll have probably already seen the punishment. If you're going to get fined a quarter of a million dollars for rushing the field, I can only imagine what it's going to be for having behavior like that in that moment. So I'm not going to sit here and, yeah. and criticize Tennessee fans in that sort of way because they – Everybody knows, like everybody watched that and was like, this, this can't happen. This can't happen in a sporting event. This felt like a 1975 sporting event yeah. that we were watching. And the thing that's the Chicago White Sox game where they were like, all right, it's 10 cent beer night. I'm like, what? why? The, uh, disco demolition night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. This had shades of that. But what I think is 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 fascinating, and, and Kiffin, you know, obviously fed into to part of this and the animosity there, the buildup yeah. you talk about since 2010. When you start to see the bu- the mustard bottle, and you're wondering to yourself, all right, how did this happen? The, the initial thing that I thought in my mind was some Buffalo Bills situation, how they used to do the tailgates like that. That's where my oh, brain I was went. Buffalo Bob from Silence of the Lambs is different. Yeah. Little, uh-huh. slightly different, but Put you're on the right track. Skin. Yes, right. exactly. Exactly. I thought it was like that. And then it kind of was like, oh, they probably just took it from the concession stand. And that's kind of boring. I would prefer to think that someone was, was ready. Like just in case. ready to roll just in case all hell broke loose and yeah. thought, you know what? I got my phone. I got my wallet. I got my keys. I got my mustard bottle. We're good to go for right. lanes. <laughs> like the pockets. What, what was your theory on that? I, I mean, I, I wonder if it was almost, I would go a step further and be like, I wonder if it's like vindictive, like, you know, like in basketball games, like you like look up, like, like fans will look up stuff about like a player's family or girlfriends or whatever. Like I'm, I wouldn't put that past Tennessee fans. Maybe somebody had a mustard seed allergy in Kiffin's uh, mm. close circle. I don't, I don't know. Um, but also like I was, the golf ball thing was cracking me up because every single person's response was like, who brings a golf ball to a, a football game? And in my first response, this is going to shock you is, wow, these people really haven't been that drunk before because I have had, I mean, there's been several times that I've like woken up, somewhere or with things in my pockets. I've told the story about when I was at the Georgia South Carolina game and tried to hand my ticket to the lady. It was a handful of pretzels. Like I've been there. So I, I don't want to have that in common with Tennessee fans. The mustard bottle is a concern because it's a whole damn bottle of mustard. And you know that they don't have those bottles at the concession stands. Yeah, they probably don't. That's no. a good point. That's <laughs> not just sitting out there. They've got the, the immovable tubs thing right. where you push down on it and never comes down. And then it finally comes down and then it goes all over yeah, your hot dog or whatever worst, it is. That's the point, yeah. yeah no, so I'm not going to get into it with the hot dogs, okay? We're having a good episode so far. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, I, I thought it was, it, it was like you you saying the thing about how like we don't need to pile on Tennessee fans. I agree with that. There's not much you can say from that. But at the same point, Sankey's going to punish them. Yeah, for sure. I, and it but, sucks but, that it happened in that sellout too. It sucks that it happened in their first sellout since yeah. 2017. And I it was, was a moment where people are like, man, Tennessee's back. This is so cool. You got the checker. And then it's going to kind of end with that. And you're going to be like, oh, yeah, this is it, kind no, of. No, and this is exactly what ten- Tennessee fans kind of do, what we, what people kind of label them as, or, or unfairly a lot of times. But like, because I think there's a, 90% of all fans are probably normal, I would think, besides eh, Texas yeah. A&M and maybe BYU. I don't know. Um, but Tennessee, like, I, th- I feel like. I was excited to see Nealon back. I didn't think the Vols were back necessarily, but I was excited to see Nealon back. And it says looked incredible. It was awesome, right? Like, and, and like, listen, grow up my entire life being a Bama fan, hated the seven years in a row they beat us. It's hard for me to pull for Tennessee. I was last night and, and you're watching it and you're like, man, like you said, like the Sankey thing about punishing him, that's the part that bothers me because it's like whatever, whatever he does, it's not going to change the behavior of an of, of 18 to 22-year-old kid that has is not responsible for 
like what are they gonna like like venmo each other for like to to collectively yeah, raise the right? money you know what i mean like so they're gonna get punished but they're not gonna get punished one of the things that i think was thrown out there and i sometimes i'll try i'll connect dots and then other times i'll see dots that are connected and i'm kind of like ah can we really make that jump people assuming that it was just because mm-hmm. alcohol is legal and oh god and because it's been legal since 2019 when i'm like look right. look 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 if this game had been played in 2015, I bet you it probably would have had a similar atmosphere. And you cannot sit here and tell me that there would have been a sober Tennessee crowd if there weren't alcohol sales in well, the stadium. But so that, that's me. The sports bet. You let all these sins in the in the building, and you got you got <laughs> sports bet. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what Southern Baptist said that, but I'm, that's a lot. <laughs> so here's like. Here's a question. Um, so, in terms of the actual game itself, because I thought it was going, I thought it was going to be forfeited. I, mm-hmm. I thought they were going to yeah, say, "Eat those three timeouts." Even though Tennessee and they kept saying, the weird thing was, is like Tennessee's not out of this. There's 52 seconds left. Whatever it was, get a three and out, and then get the ball back. Who knows? What percent chance did Joe Milton have to get a game-winning touchdown there after he came in for an injured Hendon Hooker? I'll set the over/under at three percent. Yeah, it, at most. I mean, Joe Milton is is the the like like the anti or like the the inverse of Henry Rowan Gardner. Like Henry Rowan Gardner from your beloved Chicago Cubs, like Rose the outfield bleachers throwing in like a you know 108 miles an hour from the outside of the field yes. onto the field. Milton is the opposite. Like he will stand on the field and then throw it something like a thousand miles an hour anywhere, just just not where he wants it to go, but anywhere. Do you think if we gave Joe Milton arm surgery? that he could fix that. And all of a sudden he'd be just dicing defenses up and he'd be picking them apart. He'd be an 80% passer. No, I think he would throw even harder. I, I think oh, he would, point. yeah, he would just, he would just be like a Raldis Chapman, but like with like Rick and heels, like, like mentality. Oh man. Deep Gosh, cut. there was no chance. There was no yeah. chance. And it sucked that he, that he ran out of bounds and, and that game ended that way. It overshadowed what was a really entertaining football game, even though the yeah. under hit and I thought it was going to be a lot more points. And I thought we we're going to see a lot more of those moments, but I'll say this, the numbers aren't going to reflect this. And if you didn't watch this game, you're going to disagree with this take people listening to this. Yeah. But I thought Matt Corral might've had his best performance yet. 30 ever. rushes. They put it on his back, huh? 30 rushes is the most rushes for an old Miss player since Ben Jarvis Green Ellis in 2007. What a name. I forgot about Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Former Indiana guy as well. People forget. Yeah. Big yeah. hyphen guy. Big, big, the uh, the law firm, they called him, right? <laughs> they yeah. did not. They they did, did I not. think they did. I think that was that was Isn't a that real, real thing. That, that was like a, a Patriots era yeah. nickname with him. But like, that's the amazing thing about Corral. And every Tennessee fan who watched that, when Corral started to scramble, be honest, you, you were like, oh crap, this is an automatic first down. It's amazing what yeah. he does when a play breaks down. And without his top two pass catchers, his tight end, you know, Braylon Sanders mm-hmm. was – was out that game and and you still couldn't really rely on Jerry Neely to get a ton of work. 195 rushing yards. And he has actually a 200 and then he had minus five on that last play on 30 carries. That was I mean, the thing for me was the 195 yards. Cause it's like, like you'll see, you'll see games sometimes like we, we used to see it with John Rice Plumley, but like where it, I, I thought it was interesting because we've said this about Kiffin forever. Like what does Kiffin do? You know, I told you that story about when he came in as an analyst in the 2013 sugar bowl against Oklahoma and they're like, all right, what, what, how do we fix the offense? Because we lost the game on a last right. second kick. So it was like, he puts up five numbers on the board and he's like, these are your playmakers, get them the ball. That's it. And so when you're looking at this team, I don't know if you have five guys like, you know, Amari Cooper and Yeldon or whoever, else, or, you know, uh, Derek Henry on my team, because they're not getting that much 
like, like you said, they're not getting that much work to Ely. I'm surprised we don't see Plumlee as much. This is his guy. Like, I mean, like Corral is his guy and we know through the air because he can scheme up anything, but I thought it was like, it was very telling last night at the start of the game when he gave that very awkward interview, just that very, very Yeah, what awkward. gives you comfort? What, that, that's the question yeah. that Cole asked him is like, what gives you comfort? Blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, obviously the atmosphere is raucous. And right. It's just like Matt Corral. Matt Corral. Yeah. Corral's not like a big dude that looks like, like we, we, I, I'll never forget us talking about the, uh, the first egg bowl. Cause like, like I, Corral comes in the first egg bowl he played in Corral 20, comes in 2018 with the fight. Yeah. And he, and he's yes. like, like, you know, helmet ripped off to like throwing punches. And he's like, he's fired up as an 18 in California. Yeah, and, I, and I was like, I love that. Like I, that was <laughs> awesome because it was like, this kid came in with an, like a, you know, a chip on his shoulder. And he always plays with that too. Even now that he's like a projected, you know, first round pick. I, I love the fact that he came in and basically announced what his decision was. Like, like that's, that's, that's our guy. That's what we're going to put it on his back. And then he did it 30, 30 rushes for hundred. He's athletic, but that's not like that. He takes on so much contact and that play yeah. at the end where he finally got his leg rolled up on, he had to come out of the game. Kiffin tried to call the timeout so that he can get him back in there. He had yeah. to sit for a full play, but every time he takes one of these hits, I'd think of uh, Drago and, and Rocky four <laughs> where he comes back to his corner and he sits down and Drago finally looks human. And, and, and he says about Rocky, he's not human. He's like yeah. a piece of iron, a piece of iron. Matt Corral yeah. is a piece of iron. You That's do not iron. break that guy. I mean, he is, he is just seems like every single time you're like, all right, right. he's, he's not going to get up fast from this one. He just bounces right back up mm-hmm. and it's like no big deal. And he just, I, 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 Mentally I am, too. I mean, you think about the interceptions from last year. Unbelievable. And he finally threw his first interception in this game, a play that he forced kind of understandable given the circumstances and given yeah. the lack of separation downfield. I continue to be blown away with him. We're going to talk about Macrow a little bit later in our Heisman discussion. Any more takeaways from a wild, wild game? Man, I'd say what Hinden Hooker is not getting enough credit in this, in like from anybody in the media, from us. He's great. From any, like he's been, he's been such a, like, you know what he's been, man? It, like for that, that team, that fan base. And this is something that Tennessee fans, and it's ironic about how the game ended, but Tennessee fans haven't heard this used about anything involving them, their program. He's stability. He, he yes, is he like is. a stable catalyst for that offense. It's awesome. It's, awesome it's amazing that he did not win the starting job at camp. That's something that we've talked about Concerning. on our podcast. Like, <laughs> what, what? And I get it, Joe Milton. You just kind of look at him. You're like, all right, that's that's the guy right there. We can't have that. That's not yeah. a bench warmer that we're looking at right now. I don't, and like, well, because think about this too. If they come back and win, which that would, to be honest, I would have been kind of upset if they came back to win the way things unfolded. If like without the stuff on the field, I, I would have been awesome to watch Tennessee come back and win this game because I was pulling for him the entire time. But another, like, you know, 17 to 26, 233 yards. And he also has like a Corral-esque game with 23 rushes for 108 yards. I mean, like, his numbers have been fantastic. And it's just, like, I don't know why he's not getting uh, more attention. So, fifth in the country in quarterback rating coming into this, ranked ahead of Matt Corral. Amazing what he has been able to do during his time as a starter. I I hope that he can, I hope that he's able to come back and be healthy. We'll get more information on what, um, what exactly the severity of his injury is. And hopefully he's back because I can't watch any more Joe Milton at all. (laughs) All right. SEC's championship, Kentucky, Georgia, Marler. Can I confess something to you? Oh God. You converted me. To what? Okay, I, I was half joking in our text chain with with Candler and Perry. I was so pissed when you sent that text. I, I know, was... I know. So I was joking about how, like half joking, about how I was going to write the um, the JT Daniels column and how he needed to be the guy. And if it yeah. had stayed 14 to 7, eh, you know, that, that probably that idea definitely enters my mind. And I'm thinking uh-huh. to myself, 
We saw the limitations last year with Stetson Bennett. We're seeing the limitations this year. Mm-hmm. Are we? But then I watched some of the plays that he made against a top 20 Kentucky defense, the, especially the last throw of the day. There's going to be some people on here that, that are, because I know that no matter what, as a, I'm wearing a Bama shirt right now, as somebody that's admittedly a Bama fan, um, like I, 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 there's going to be some Georgia fans on here who are going to be very confused because of how much I slandered Stetson Bennett the fourth last season. Same. And, and like, and, you know, like I, it's the beginning of the year, all the takes that I had at the beginning, this take, this Georgia team is my Malik Willis. Like there we go. I'm a, I was a year earlier because I kept saying like adamantly, like this Georgia team is going to be the best defense we've seen since 2011 Bama. And they are going to be good enough to win a national title, no matter who the quarterback is. And I was a year early and, and like, this team is good enough to win with anybody quarterback, but I am, I'm not a, I'm not going to like stand for Stetson Bennett, but I am so over the JT Daniels hype. And I did a, so I did a bunch of deep dives leading up to this strictly for this, this argument, because it blows my mind how I think, I, I think I know why the psyche of all of it for Georgia fans. I really do. I, like, I think it's, it's a whole thing that you, like you have a complex about quarterback play yep. based off of all the things you've seen, how close you've been to winning national championships, the stuff that happened with Justin Fields, you know, James O'Quinn brought this up in the Facebook group. It's a great point. What if he, what if Kirby sticks with Setson? Cause I think he should at this point of the season. And then something happens where they, they lose a game. That's not necessarily his fault, but you know how everyone is in the media and fans for sure. They will crucify Kirby if that's the case. So he's got to be like, he's under a lot of pressure with the two. So much pressure. And, and look, I, I was that person. And I've been that person all year saying, ah, JT takes the, takes the offense to a different level. He can stretch the field a different sort of way. And the more and more you watch Stetson, and, and it wasn't just the second half against Kentucky, mm-hmm. so I guess I should back that up, but it was also seeing what he did last week against Auburn, where now he can execute Todd Munkin's offense. He can actually stretch the field. He can make all these throws. Remember 2017, 2018 with Jake Fromm, how frustrating it was to watch yeah. him run an RPO, and he would never, ever, never ever, keep it. ever keep it. Stetson can keep it, and Stetson can get 15 yards for you just like that when everybody's that, keyed in. Yeah, and like like I said after the Bama game last year, that game could have been a very different outcome, and Georgia could have easily won that game by 17 points instead of losing it because of the fact that he missed a couple open guys. He missed, you know. But here's what impresses me more about more than anything about Stetson Bennett because I think JT Daniels is one of the most overrated like pieces of. Um, I, I don't like like fiction that we've seen in this conference in a long time. I really do. I, I think I think it is it is the the whole Ryan from the office thing. Like, are you in love her? Or are you in love with her? Or are you in love with the idea of her? And and I'll I'll tell you why because the fact that but Setson Bennett, your entire fan base, like for the most part, blamed last season's shortcomings on him. Well, if we would have JT Daniels for the full season, look what he did against these four teams, right? Like if, if we had him against instead against Florida and against you know Bama, we probably would have won those games. We would have won the playoff, blah, blah, blah. Hindsight's 2020. Backup quarterback's always a favorite player on the team. But they blamed Stetson Bennett for so much. He's too short, you know, and that offense was limited last year. I, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you right now, it might have been limited because you had Todd Munkin of new OC coming in and a new offensive line coach coming in. Talk about Matt Luke. Talk about Matt Luke, offensive line coach, Georgia football. There it is. There it is. And then you, you're you doing everything on Zoom, so you don't know the full offense. It, like, everything was limited for them. And then this kid is fourth string this year behind another five-star freshman you bring in and then Carson Beck and all that kind of stuff. And the entire fan base is just, like, wrote off the season because of him. He didn't transfer. And in this day and age, that says a lot about somebody's mental toughness and their character, especially that position. But this kid's come out, and he has 
you can say it's a game manager, or whatever. Like I, I love all the arguments. Like the, the offense isn't explosive. Comes out in the second half, seven of seven, six of the seven plays are over 15 yards or more. And, and I'll say this again with JT Daniels. I looked at all the numbers on this the other day. He's, he's missed 21 of the last 29 games. He's missed 21 of the last, and you can't help being hurt. I get it. But in those eight games he played, only two of those teams were ranked. Only two of those teams even had a record over 500 at the end of the season or currently with Clemson. He hasn't played any competition that is impressive. And when he does play the two ranked teams, or when he did play the two ranked teams, they, they, they won by a combined 10 total points. Yeah, he struggled against Cincinnati. Like there were a lot of things that that Luke Fickle and Marcus Freeman did with that defense that kind of perplexed him a little bit with the way that they were able to send pressure. He's excellent against the blitz. He had the highest yeah. passer rating of any quarterback in the country last year against the blitz. How is he even getting up off the ground after he gets hit, though? That's and that's part of the problem. Is that like this this is now a thing? It's not like he's just coming off of the ACL again. It's a right. lat, it's an oblique. And I'm I'm not gonna sit here and like say a kid is soft to take some of the hits they have to take in the SEC. I will. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> that's the. I, I won't go there. But I'll say this: the chemistry that you see with Stetson and, and Brock Bowers and Lad McConkey, that throw that he made to Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers oh, isn't even looking at him. He's not even looking. And Gary, you know, say what you want about Gary Danielson and his on balance line and all. That throw was six yards away from him, and he just looks up and it's just there on yeah. him. That's the type of stuff that you're not necessarily going to see the box score. You're not necessarily going to be maybe amazed by if you're not, if you're not looking for it, but that's also not the type of thing that you can take for granted. And right. at this stage of the year, there's no way that JT Daniels has that chemistry with those guys and Bowers and McConkey, those guys are, I mean, they're, they're proven to be everything. Darnell Washington has like one catch in this game. It's a nice play. It's a really nice play. But if you look at, I think it was what it was, Nine catches for 82 yards combined from the likes of Kiaris Jackson, Darnell Washington, George Pickens, Eric Gilbert. It, Those four guys. It is the pie unreal pie cap like pie cap intramural championship team. It is like all I could think of. Like it's like the Fiji intramural championship like flag football team is out there playing football for Georgia right now. Like you have these three white dudes that are just tearing it up, and like they they're like very unassuming. You would all of them were like, you know, would have been third string awards at the start of the year. But but my my biggest thing too is. It, like you look at the identity of this Georgia team because they're starting to get fun to watch, man. Even because I, I could, you, we all see it coming, right? And, and I think their fans kind of know it, not in an arrogance, but like a like a very quiet swell of like confidence. Like this is different. This looks 2019 different. LSU. The fans started to sense this is different. This is special. And I will not compare this fan base to that fan base <laughs> strictly because I know how this. I know how this will turn out with. Um, living in the state and how most Georgia fans are. Cause you even saw it last week about the whole, like, how come no one's giving us any respect? Like you're ranked number one in the country in every single poll. You have all the best odds. Like you're, you're the best team in the country. Hands down. I've been saying, I've been saying that since before the Bama Florida game, but like when you have, when you have like the identity of like Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, you know, Lewis scene, like even the, that game, that hit Lewis scene had like with in garbage time last night, where like these kids get up and they, sorry, I'm sorry to say this, Connor, but they hit they, they, they will they will put you on the ground and like it hopefully on the sidelines I think is how they they go like into like with bad intentions on every single play there, there's times when I'll watch this this defense hit and I'm I'm like audibly gasping like oh my god this kid's gonna die like he, like they're gonna hurt this kid the Chris Rodriguez screen that that play Nicobe Dean slips through three Kentucky three, offensive three blockers three blockers where if one of them touches him 
Right. That, that play is six easily. Right. And Dean somehow number 17, like the, the all American slips through, finds a way to right. slip through those guys and blows that play up. And you're just like, they how are do you, how do you score against them. You, you know, you know how, how I've, I've referenced the 2011 Bama team as being the greatest defense of all time. Cause if statistically you give up 7.8 points per game and 171 total yards, that's absurd. And I don't know if we'll ever see that again. I'm going to say this. And I've been saying this for a couple of weeks and I, and, I oh don't feel like it's a person of the moment thing. This defense is better than that defense because of the air they're playing in and they're yeah. deeper. They're significantly deeper than that defense was at Bama. But, but when I, when I say like the, they're, they take on this whole personality where you're starting to see the team having fun, like I, Jordan Daniel, Jordan Davis is going to get a touchdown at some point this season, flat out that, that block field goal. Yeah. So, oh so but that, that is the mentality of like, we are bigger, like more yeah. physical, we're stronger, we're tougher than you. Setson Bennett, I don't see how going towards the latter half of the season, you take that guy out who's been like, I don't say an alpha, but he has been the guy for you. Got to be in all of a sudden, Florida. Yeah. That's, that's my thought on it. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree with you hundred percent. And I, I think that right now you're looking at this Georgia team and you're kind of, you know, DK tweeted at me something to the effect. To, I don't know if you saw that, but he, so like I, I tweeted out like Georgia having that plus minus and how it was far and away, like the best in college football. And DK is like, yeah, that's the most you know, predictable stat ever. Even I tweeted it out, like mentioning the four guys who were out for their offense. Right. And I'm saying like, it's amazing that they've been able to do that with those guys out. I didn't even mention JT Daniel Stetson Bennett. And, and then like, he's like, oh, it's so predictable. Blah, blah, Look at the competition. It's like, all right. So they've, they've faced three straight top 25 opponents. Like Kentucky has the SEC's leading rusher, yeah, the SEC's leading receiver. Now, when are we going to start to give Georgia credit for being heads and shoulders above Everybody else, and that, that's the incredible thing about this about this team is that they're they're now getting downgraded for beating teams so badly and so oh, isn't convincingly. That tough? That's and tough, can, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm serious. Like, like I don't, I, I agree with you. I, I don't. The, the standard they're setting, it's like we are so. Like, it's so hard for anybody to give credit to anyone if it's not their own. Nobody team deserves credit. Nobody at all. So, and this is one of the numbers I looked up this week when I was I was looking at this Georgia team because I've been fascinated at like what they've been able to do all year. Because you can look at any of the the defensive metrics and it's almost boring because because they're so they're in the top five and everything. They're number one in most things. I, I was looking at the fact that look at the names they've shut down this season. You, like the leading rusher, like like the the individual with the highest total, um, like in like rushing this year against him was a kid from UAB. He had 13 yeah. carries for 61 yards. Kev, I mean, you, you took Kevin Harris, 15 carries, 31 yards, and you could say, oh, well, that's a bad South Carolina. Okay, then um, what, who's the kid from Justin Ross, who I've watched in person torch a secondary before? He had four catches for 26 yards with a long of of 12. And that's when you put a freshman coming off a torn ACL against them in game one. Like yeah. the, the names they have shut down, uh, Tank Bigsby, 10 carries, 28 yards. Chris Rodriguez is the SEC leading rusher behind one of the best offensive lines in the SEC, in maybe the country, seven carries for seven yards. Had 100 against him last year too. That, that, that game means more to him as well because mm -hmm. that's his home state. That, 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 and he, he talked the talk beforehand and was like, hey, look, I, I think we're going to be able to run the ball against him. Liam Cohen basically abandoned it and was like, yeah, we're, we're going to try and get you out in space. They try and dial up the screens and stuff because yeah. you just, you don't run the football against the team. And I actually thought here's, so here's the crazy thing. I know we can talk about spreads and stuff like that and say what you will about the, the last second time out by Mark Stoops. I, I loved it. I loved yeah, it. I'm sure I, I, loved that was <laughs> I know you didn't gamble on it. That's why you, you loved it. I kind of like True. it too, even though I bet on it. Look, I actually think Kentucky played really well. Yeah. <laughs> I do. How about Cohen? 
my so me slash he needs to be <laughs> i i voted I, I said before the game if he dials up two offensive touchdowns in this one like liam cohen for the Broyles award um i don't know if that's why he would win it but i get yeah. what you're saying but and i love that your pronouns it. are are he and liam correct <laughs> right. correct uh he's he's my guy now yeah will levis was darn good in this football mm-hmm. game he completed 76 percent of his passes and it could have been more because mm-hmm. they had drops in that game stoop said afterwards he's like Wanda was the only guy who could catch the ball out there. Right. And without Josh Ali, they, they really struggled. But two, two things about uh, from the Kentucky side, because mm-hmm. I think people were expecting this to be Arkansas 2.0. Yep. They were expecting Kentucky to get run off the field. They were expecting to make their basketball school jokes, which are BS no at this point. That is the most outdated, lazy well, take. If you're still sitting there saying that, oh, my God, I can't believe they play football. You haven't paid attention to Mark Stoops in the last four years. You just haven't paid attention to college football in the last four years, and you're telling on yourself by doing that. Yeah, and we're also yeah. not all sleeping with our sisters in Alabama. So there's another thing. Oh, Get we went jokes. there. We went there. Dude, I hate cliches. That. You know I hate cliches. It's, no, it's just ahead. lazy. It's lazy at this point. Kentucky is no fraud. That defense is legit good. It might not be 2018 levels of good, but it is extraordinary. And Josh Pascal is playing at an all-SEC level. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Six-fingered J.J. Weaver. That guy is playing his tail off. Yeah, six fingers. Count all Weird. of them. Gross. And Tony Oliphant, take a call. He wants his thing back. They're a legit... <laughs> right? They are a legit top 15 team. And it is a shame for them that they don't have like 2020 Florida, 2019 Georgia, one of those teams to get through in the East, because Mm -hmm. if they did, and they didn't have what appears to be a historically good Georgia team, I would say, you know what? Kentucky's got a legit shot to get to Atlanta. They, they, they are a team that is, that is at least built to give anyone a run mm. for their money. I'm not saying that they would run the table in SEC play, but they could be one of these teams that like legit would go 7-1 and one in SEC, SEC play in a normal year with how well they are playing on defense right now. It, it, is, it was fascinating yesterday to watch the mental gymnastics people had to do for both sides of it. Because it was like, yeah, you know, the, the whole thing with like, dude, like Georgia, Georgia, like the offense is looking good, that good. I'm like, okay, well, Kentucky is a top 20 defense nationally. They're also a top, like the, the they were a top 10 defense in the country in yards per play allowed, giving up yeah. 4.6. Think about it, like second in the SEC and top 10 nationally in yards per play allowed on defense. Georgia averaged almost 10 yards a play in this game. And you still heard people saying like, the offense is not as good without JT Daniels because we've only scored 14 points. Like, like give credit to people. And on the other side of this, I thought one of the most impressive things I saw from the entire day, because keep in mind also, this Kentucky team is ranked 11th, right? Going into this game. Yeah. They were unranked two weeks ago. Why is that? It's preseason confirmation bias, 100%. And you I'm can't tell me that as well. Everything I learned in a in a magazine in in August, I know I'm right about. Like you know, like there's no way you can tell me this so Kentucky stupid. team. So then you have you have like you have that going against them for no reason, in my opinion. But Liam Cohen's drive at the end of the first or towards the end of the first half, the 13 plays, 75 yards. The fact Grown that you were able to have 13 plays in a row against that Georgia defense is one of the most impressive things. I mean, maybe you should get the Royals Award for that. I mean, like it's crazy. I accept gladly. Um, I'll make the speech on behalf of Liam Cohen if and Perfect. when that happens. Um, something I was thinking about. One more, one more quick thing, and then we got to yeah. be able to move on to, to other, other games here. But I think Will Levis, who has three years of eligibility left as a grad transfer, which is insane. That's like one of those 2020 things. Yeah. KJ Jefferson, Connor Bazelak, they're going to be playing in the ICC forever. Renfro. Just accept it. Yeah. Hunter Renfro, probably still going to come back, play college football. Will Levis could very well start the year as an all-ICC quarterback. If Liam Cohen returns okay, to that this. Kentucky team, 
No, like I am, I'm he like won't. more and more sold on him. It depends on who goes. Obviously, we expect Macarell to be gone. It just kind of depends. You know, Bryce Young is going to start off as an All SEC guy. But yeah, so it, that's what I'm saying. You're right in terms of how talented he is. I think it's a great take. But like what I always tell you, you you can't go into this with logic and reason because you know damn point. well that whoever whatever Bama, it's like Tank Bigsby was the SEC preseason, you know, like first team running back, like. I was in favor of that. I voted. Oh, my bad. I voted I first two. <laughs> I, 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 I just think it's, we just have a hard time doing things like that, that are probably right. And being objective about those teams. Cause Kentucky is a really good football team. You're I mean, spot on. They're great. And they're, they beat both of these two teams that we're going to get to right now. Florida LSU. <sighs> this game was so 2021 because it was baffling. It was a reminder that this sport you never know what's going to happen within the confines of 60 minutes. And you could watch an entire season's worth of games and tell yourself Gambling this money. is how a game. Yeah. Gamble, do whatever. LSU was down to 60 scholarship players in this one. They were about six defensive starters. They had the, the pick. I can't remember who tweeted out the picture, but all these guys were in the end zone on scooters. And you're like, oh, that's Derek Stingley. Oh, that's Eli Ricks. Oh, that's Major Burns. They're top three players on the whole team. <laughs> They're most talented three. Like it wasn't Allie just they had six out. starters out. And the, the numbers kept changing too. I didn't know six defensive because I thought it was six total. And, and then you talk, like, I, I think Mickey said eight, but it was like you have six to eight starters out and they're and they're your best players. Eli Ricks, Derek Singley Jr. I, I was in Baton Rouge two weeks ago. Derek Singley Jr. went in the same state. Like and, and he's out. And then Keishon Butte. I did a numbers dive on this, dude. I, you brought this up at the start of last year about how talented Keishon Butte was and the production level. The sheer numbers of what he's been able to do. Oh, his target share is insane. Yeah. But, it, but dude, from a scoring standpoint, like he's he's been responsible for almost 50% of their overall touchdowns since like before the Kentucky game, dating back to the, the Florida game last year. Oh, it's and, him or bust. Yeah, that's it, right? And so then, you know, I think like, like against like FBS teams, they've had like 14 passing touchdowns, 10 to him. 16 total touchdowns, 10, you know, 10 to him. But what's funny about this is, yeah, I, I, this, I, that was, this is the lock of the year, I thought for me. Like, Florida is going to like send, like, because Mullen is a big enough a hole to where he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get him fired right now. Screw that dude. Gosh, this game was, oh, it was wild. And, and look, I, I was wrong about this. And, and I said that I thought that Florida was going to find a way to win this game by a touchdown. And that, of course, did not happen. But I picked I picked LSU to cover just because of sheer cosmic forces that say when LSU and Florida play football, yeah. it can't be more than a seven-point game. That's just not the way that it's allowed to work because last year defied logic. Last ranked pass defense in college football against right. the number one passing offense in Gainesville, and LSU won that. And this was similar to that because of what Ty Davis Price did. Who in their right mind? Mickey this was a prop bet. <laughs> Mickey Sherry said because Auburn's like, we, how can we don't run the football? I'm like, because you're not any good. You're very like, bad at it. You're, you're the worst at it. You're, arguing, <laughs> you're very bad at it. They're so bad at it. How come I don't sing Adele songs at karaoke? Because Ooh, I can't do it. I can't get on that level. I, yeah. I haven't listened to the new the new album. Lauren told me that Lauren told me that the new song on uh, it just came up on her Pandora, but it's it's pretty good. She's never not come out with an album during a breakup, man. And it's just like it's just that's the gift that keeps on giving. I love Adele, but no, I mean like you said the prop bet thing. Ty Davis <laughs> Price breaking Leonard Fournette's single game rushing record at LSU. <laughs> If anybody had said going into this one, oh, you know what's going to happen today is that um, LSU is actually going to have a, a running back set the the program record for rushing yards in a game. You would have looked at them. You would have laughed them out the room. You would have, have laughed 100 them out yards the rushing. state. 
I would have, I would, I would have, have had the same reaction. No way. No way. And, and then Florida does a very, well, Todd Grantham does a very Todd Grantham thing and pukes on his shoes. Just simple as that. There was nothing he could dial up. Twitter searching Todd Grantham on Saturday was fun in a sick, twisted way. Florida fans, I know, I know. And look, I'm here for you. I am because especially when you see your head coach come out and say that his impression of Grantham didn't change after watching what LSU just did to him. Oh my God. Yes. Oh, if Dan Mullen doesn't say something stupid after a game, (laughs) you, you, that, that's the fake news right there. You then look for the real quotes. Like the, he is like the 17 year old girl in a small town who like finds a dude in a leather jacket. It's like, mom, I can change him. Like, no, a kid smokes like Marlboro Reds and he's going to leave you to go to junior college. Like that, that is, you can't change Todd Grantham. He is who he is. Is that like a 1980s um, coming of age movie? I say Footloose, I think. I don't know. Like, I, there was a different I, I example to I to give, but it was okay. I, I mean, like, Footloose, but, yeah. but Grantham hadn't been bad this season. No. And he, no. I mean, I, I watched him. I watched what Bama was barely able to do, uh, like running the True. football, which I, I don't think that that doesn't need to be the benchmark. I don't know why it, the two point loss became that for them, but like you, you'd only given up what 36 points in the last four games against SEC teams. And Florida fans saw this coming though. And they yeah. saw, they saw Vandy have these long scoring drives and go right down the field and then miss kicks with a Bama mm-hmm. kicker. Of course, of course. Yeah. And they saw these little shades of, Oh wait, maybe this front seven there, they have some holes in that group. Yeah. And, Good look. I'll, I'll say this because it's it, it's part of the conversation. As bad as that game was for Grantham, as bad as that game was for Mullen, and we'll get to more more of the Mullen side in a second here. Good Fred O'Drum, and that show yeah. came a week too late. I, I'd mm-hmm. argue oh, and, a year too late, but yeah, yeah, probably a year, probably a year. could could have used that uh, about mid October of uh, 2020. Yeah, I was there last week in Lexington, and that looked like a dead man walking. And if there was ever a time in which you would think. This team is going to fight for you. It was supposed to be last week. And then go figure it's 11 a.m. in Death Valley, which, as you said, that's just weird vibes altogether. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be a game that nobody could have seen coming. Three consecutive wins that Ed Odron now has against Dan Mullen. That's pretty cool. He I still, he's, a, he's a pick six in, he in the swamp with a first-year quarterback from being 4-0 against him. Yes, I was there that day as well. Yeah. Still the loudest game I have ever heard maybe we're bad maybe we're bad luck for lsu because i was at auburn lsu the week before in baton rouge you were were, you were in lexington the following week we were at auburn and lsu 2019 when lsu had its closest win of the season as well (laughs) so we tried to even jinx the 2019 yeah it didn't happen yeah um but i would say so i I still think the hay's in the barn with the money's collected he's gone yeah he's gone um the mole inside though one and three against Ed Odron. Real quick, just just like to transition to that. This is the one like it's there's so like you look at it from like the running game. There's so many different ways this was so bizarre to me because it was like you set all the players out right, and you're a thirteen and a half point underdog. You're only a six and a half point first half underdog, which I hammered several times. But then like you also have sixty scholarship players, but you you've had one one game this year against an FBS team where you've had over hundred yards rushing total. Right. Like, like this has been a massive weak point for your team. And then you've only had three interceptions as a, as a team this season on the entire year, your coach is on the hot seat. Everyone knows he's gone. And then you look four hours later at the end of this game, they had four interceptions in the game alone. They had 321 yards rushing and they break all these records. 
and Coach O is still gone, but now they're like Mullen is is legitimately going to be on the hot seat, in my opinion, the rest of the way, because it doesn't get any easier moving into the Georgia game. Exactly. And that's the tough part. Yeah. Two and six in his last eight games against Power Five competition. Not great. Nope. That is <laughs> loss number three on the year, and it is a bad one. Your quarterback still can't make reads, even though this is year four in the system. <laughs> I was told by somebody on this podcast uh, a while back that Anthony Richardson was going to make him a playoff contender. <laughs> not you. It was not you. All right. Um, I'll say I, I, Anthony Richardson needs to be the guy moving forward, and that's yeah. abundantly clear after watching that game, despite the fact that he made a very redshirt freshman-like mistake twice in that game, including that last throw. And it's just like, man, you got to be able to get rid of that ball. He was mm-hmm. transparent afterwards, said that's the type of thing you can get away with in high school. You can't get away with it at this level. The problem is that not only does it look like Dan Mullen has continued to put his faith in Emory Jones, even though it is, and look, I, I've praised Emory Jones, but it is now clear you're you're doing your team a disservice if you're still trying to make this thing work. And you can't worry about if he transfers at this point anymore. Anthony Richardson has to be your guy moving forward. It's as clear as that. The defensive coordinator you kept, even though everyone wanted him gone, had zero answers to a previously dormant LSU offense. And this this comes back to Mullen. And, and I know, look, there might be some Florida fans who say, hey, Florida's actually 7-0 because Dan Mullen, his team, has the total yards advantage one yet again. <laughs> so are they really a three-loss team? I don't know. You can decide that. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> the buyout... The buyout is 12 million bucks. That's not, that's nothing. It did not change with the new contract. And if you're looking sorry, at this logic, it didn't change with the contract extension that he signed where he gets bumped up to seven and a half million dollars. And look, he gets the pay increase. So that's kind of the benefit. But from a Florida standpoint, we've said coming into the year that if things fall apart, Dan Mullen could resign. He could be fired yeah. and it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world. And I'm not saying that Scott Strickland is going to pull the trigger on that. Mm -hmm. I I am saying though, that he has an out if this gets worse and Anthony Richardson, how that impacts this. I don't know the game. The, so he kind of, he, he went back Uh after saying like, I'm a Gator right now, which yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. That that's, that's, I, I kind of read that and I was like, that's a kid who doesn't have a whole lot of experience speaking to the media. He's going to regret that one. And then he came out and he tweeted a message later, like, Hey, you know, I'm a Gator through and through, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. I'm sure he came up with that idea to tweet that. Oh, totally. Yeah. That was <laughs> definitely just him and not a media relations person saying, yeah. uh, Anthony, uh, you want to take social media? Uh, maybe, that's a good uh, Dan Mullen right there. Thank you. Dan Mullen's in a really bad spot right now. Mm-hmm. A really bad spot. We overreact to these things sometimes, but I watched that game and I thought, man, what a horrible look based on the decisions that he has made and to lose in that way to a rival like that, to lose to two historically bad LSU teams. Historically bad. Mm, can't have it. Worse, can't have than, it. worse in the country. And, those, like, so, and here's my thing with it. I think that uh, uh, Tyler, my co-host, has said this like, like his – I don't think it's that hot of a take, but like Mullen to the NFL makes sense. And Mullen, I don't know if he gets – I don't think he gets fired. I think that Mullen, because I don't know who you replace him with if you're Florida. I don't, I don't know what coaching candidates we are going to have there as as good of an offensive mind as he is. But you had the opportunity to fire him last year, like not Mullen, but but Grantham, and and there was a little bit of an excuse of like, well, yeah, we give a lot of yards nonstop, but we did it to Bama and and Oklahoma and these like traditionally like high powered offenses. Sure, you should have fired him when you had the chance th- at that point, but you stuck with him and you knew that your job was going to be associated with that. 
yep. in a very, very like fair way. Like, you, you know, and I, I remember having this conversation last year, the buyouts, it wasn't, if it wasn't anything during a pandemic, it's absolutely nothing now to raise $12 million, especially at school like that. But the thing that bothers me that I talked to one of our listeners, Cav Harris about this, and, he, and we met him at, at media days, like, you know, Big Florida guy, yeah. Yeah. And, and he's such a logical dude. And we were talking about it. And he goes, you know, the problem with Mullen, it's not, that it doesn't bother me. It's not that, you know, like the, the recruiting people have like all that kind of stuff. Cause I, I think that Mullen is confident in stuff that he can develop talent. He's not as worried about recruiting. It's being consistent with the effort. It's, it's like the prep, like the reason he, he said this after the Kentucky loss, he's like, we lost that game because of preparation. Cause you, cause you go into, he goes into games. Like I used to go into the, like comedy sets, like, it, like the 2013, like, Oh, I could just drink a couple of beers and I'll figure it out. Like, I'll be funny up there. I don't need to like do any practice. Like he goes into this like overconfidence with stuff where he thinks I like, I'm smart enough to get out of this. If we get into a jam, we're more, more talented than this team. Like I did this at Mississippi State. That's truly what I believe. I think he does not put the full amount of effort that might be required in a program like that. Uh, you know, he's, he, you know how you know how I can tell more than anything because he's happy. Because he seems like he's happy. He's not like he hasn't aged poorly. He hasn't put on a bunch of weight like Kirby or anything. That doesn't like Nick with like the you know the hair just like hanging on for dear life. Like I, I don't think he's staying up until 11 p.m. every night going over game plans and and then trying to figure out how to recruit that state like. But I tell you what, if you're you're talking about a guy that is should have been able to take advantage of an, an opportunity where the state of Florida has been historically bad from the other two like, big programs, and now you're three losses in this season, and it's not even Halloween yet, and the next person you got to face is a guy that you Buddy. pissed off Ooh. a lot last year. Yikes! And if you think that that is not going to be remembered going in, oh god. By the way, I'm definitely going to write the column why Dan Mullen needs to look more like Lucius Malfoy at the end of Harry Potter when he's fearing right. for his life against Voldemort. Stop moisturizing, dude. Yeah. Just look like you haven't slept in a week, man. That's, I mean, figure it out. Yeah. Let, let's, go to, let's go to Auburn, Arkansas. I'm going to give Bo Nix some praise here. For real. Kid bald. He absolutely did. I was totally off on this one again. I need to stop assuming that Bo Nix on the road is a thing anymore because or I think Barry Odom's not. a good D coordinator. You got to stop doing that. Barry Odom's a good D coordinator. I'm not going to back off that one. Not a good start. This this game was and and his game plan has worked in the past against mm. certain offenses. Against this one with against this Auburn team that very much recognized early on that Jalen Catalan was not out there. Yeah. And boy, Miles Slusher had a rough start to that one, biting on that fake. Bo goes over the top. Dude. See what I did there? Bo over the top. Um oh. <laughs> we almost had another F word there, Connor. But he gets he gets two deep, huge deep touchdowns in this game going over mm. the top against uh, an Arkansas secondary that he didn't really look like he feared. And even that interception that he threw when it was 14 to three, and that could have been the pivotal play for Arkansas. Bonix is like, you know what? I'm going to take some deep chances because yeah. when you don't have that all SEC, that potential all America guy in Jalen Catalan back there, it, it does change what you're able to do defensively. He plays in the box. He does so many different things for I that think defense. It would be that impactful and that noticeable though. I, yeah. It, and it was, and look, I'm not saying that Arkansas absolutely wins that game if he's playing, right. But credit Bo Nix because he came out there, he made throws, and unlike the first half against Georgia, he actually got his he got actually got help from his receivers this time. Yeah. He just looks more comfortable and he steps into throws. I, I said that, and I'm interested in in um, in your take on this. I said coming into the year that his upside, the Bo Nix upside, would be 2018 Felipe Franks, and huh. I I sort of think that's what that, he is at this point. Makes sense. 
where Felipe got benched mid-game against Mizzou, right? He falls mm-hmm. apart, and then Kyle Trask comes in and takes over. Kyle Trask breaks his foot later that week, and then right. he gets to go back in. Bo Nix had that moment this year against yeah, Georgia State, our friend Sean Elliott, yeah, with TJ yeah. Finley. And ever since then, Bo Nix has been really good. And look, I, I know that he, he had his struggles against Georgia, and he wasn't going to win he that He will continue game. to have his struggles. He's going to continue to have his struggles. Yeah. Yes, he he will. And and like a Felipe, it's not like he's turned yeah. the good well he's going to be good enough to win you some of those games where you're just like this kid could do some special things and his upside is is definitely there and i think for an for an auburn that's kind of all you could have hoped for coming into this year so i i like on on the surface level i like the felipe uh reference because it make it does make sense like to a degree but at the same time it doesn't because i think felipe is yet another like victim of of like the you know preseason confirmation bias or whatever he said on the sideline against Miami in 2018 or 19. Oh, I was there. I remember that. that was I think that that's what people just like this guy, you know, he doesn't care. He, like you know, there was like, I think somebody was it Brian Greasy. It was like made some comment about how he, he, he wasn't a good teammate or something stupid, like just a baseless, like assumption or so like some speculation or some crap like that. But, but Felipe Franks had 27 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, like his, or 27 touchdowns and six interceptions, like in, in 2018 or 2019. And then, Last year he was like I think it was like fourteen yeah. three yeah like I mean like his numbers were actually really good he didn't turn the ball over like because we just kind of viewed him as this like erratic yeah I have, I have a good arm but I'm not very accurate he was a very very good quarterback Nix is kind of more um, I call him uh, vacation Bible school Johnny Manziel because he is mm-hmm. like a like he, it, the best quote I've ever heard in assessing this kid's talent is by your co-host Will Ogburn and he said it in the 2019 Auburn Alabama game he said three to five times a game. Every single game, Bo Nix will do something that is one of the dumbest things I have ever watched on a football field that you think is inexplicably that can't happen. And usually it's just rolling out to his right and throwing a ball out of bounds like seven yards over the receiver's head. And then three to five times in a football game, he will do one of the most physically gifted, like, how did he make that throw? How did he get away from this? Like, it's maddening, I think, to watch. I think this was like, you know, I don't want to say it's like an outlier, but um, he's not been good on the road his whole career. I think that this, there's still a lot of season left, but that ball he threw, the, that ball he threw to Demetrius Robertson, the six-yard bomb, dime, is probably the most impressive thing I've, I've seen him. Like, minus all the scrambling, Houdini, like, like it's the most impressive thing I've seen him do his entire career, and that's not a slight at him. It's like that's what we've been waiting to see. Like, my gosh, what a ball! This, this game was better than the LSU game in terms of overall performance. He didn't have the individual play that he mm-hmm. had against LSU, of course. But I came away incredibly impressed. And, and Auburn is all of a sudden in this conversation now where, you know, Arkansas thought it was going to be in this conversation. Welcome to life in the SEC West. You get into the top 10, oh, you lose man. three in a row. Brutal do- dose of reality. And being without Catalan for the season, that's that's going to suck because I, I think that defense might really struggle without him in some of these games. But you know, Barry Odom is the D coordinator, yeah. <laughs> here's, here's a question for you. Um, Auburn, Ole Miss, Texas A&M. Oh. Who's number two in the West? Ole Miss. I think so too. I, Auburn could beat Ole Miss. Harson's a good coach, man. Like, he, like he's a really good coach, in my opinion. I, I think I he's had like, a good few weeks, especially bouncing yeah. back from the Georgia State debacle. I, and when you, you fire your receivers coach, and everybody is going to get is going to be ready to yeah. hammer you for that. His receivers have. With, the exception of that first half against Georgia, his receivers have looked actually really good since then. I don't think that I don't think that he fired him from in my opinion that like because the receivers weren't producing. I think that's more of a thing, like, hey, I've got enough on my plate. I need to know that this guy is gonna do 
what we're supposed to be doing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I, I, that's, I, I don't know the ins and outs of that program or anything like that outside of how it's run from a booster funneling money standpoint. That's what we're not going to get into it. Um, but like the fact that like, I think Harson's is, he got hammered by the Alabama media for whatever reason, like it's the start of the year and kind of flew under the radar. I think, I think he could beat either one of those teams. I pray that, that A&M is the number two team in the West <laughs> because Zach Calzada. Oh, <laughs> My God. Um, but no, I mean, like, I, I think, I think that I'd say what, out of those three, I never thought it says about Auburn. If, if you're telling me who's the most consistent and the least like, you know, unstable, it's probably Auburn because we've seen what Zach Calzada will do against everyone else, but Bama. And then we also seen what Ole Miss's defense can look like and what their offense can look like against a, a good game plan. I'd still probably take Ole Miss in that department. Yeah. If neutral side, I'd probably still take Ole Miss over over Auburn. Mm-hmm. But it's at least now a conversation, and it's a more interesting one. We we thought it was going to be very fluid coming mm-hmm. into the year. We do kind of a weekly thing of like, hey, is this team now <laughs> most most deserving of worst team in the SEC West? And it's right. basically changed every week. It's been MSU. It's been LSU. It's you know and now maybe there are some people saying that's going to be Arkansas. Whatever the case yeah. is, yeah. The the West has been all over the place. The divide in the West we saw as well in Starkville on Saturday night, Bama, MSU, Marler, how was your week? Because I imagine at one point you woke up and you maybe forgot that last Saturday night in college station happened. No, here's the thing. And I don't understand. Maybe it's because I, I went through a breakup or maybe it's because I'm 35 or maybe it's because like, You're I'm more of like a logical person. Yeah. <laughs> like I, from very early on, I, I, you could tell that Bama was, they deserve to lose that game. That, that was like, I mean, that's what happened. I said before the season, I thought they would lose to AM. I thought they would lose two games, AM and Georgia, and that's the championship game. Now, before this yeah. game, I definitely thought AM was going to get hammered because of Calzada was a terrible quarterback and they're going to go yeah. on the road and do this and that. And, and they, uh, the defense made, made me more confident. It's like, you know, a little more confident they might be able to hang with Georgia at the end of the year. After what I saw against Ole Miss, that is not going to happen. Bama, I'll say this right now Bama will lose by two touchdowns to Georgia. Like, mm. just, just write it down. But the whole sky is falling in general with this fan base. And then like the perception from people outside, like, like the way that people overreact to Bama games and Bama losses is hysterical to me because I got the whole wellness check. Josh Deal, one of our good buddies, he, he was telling me how he's like, dude, that's gotta be concerning, man. Like it's an unranked A&M team. And I was like, this, that was my least favorite argument. The unranked thing is like, they were ranked seventh in the country two weeks ago. They were unraced for one week. They're one of the top 25 most talented teams. They did, I mean, that's not taking anything away from AM or, or, or trying to make excuses for Bama at all. But like you look at the last, I said this to PB and, and, and Doring, and, and me and Doring got into it about it, to be honest. I was like, you look at the numbers in the last, since 2008, Bama has lost, uh, I think, 17 total games. They've lost nine in the regular season, right? Um, in the nine games after those, after a regular season loss, they were eight and one. Overall, so like even including postseason, they were they were fifteen and two, coming off a loss since two thousand eight. And those 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 losses were the two thousand eight Sugar Bowl and the two thousand thirteen Sugar Bowl. Yeah, right. And so and they're winning by three touchdowns or more. I wanted to look at the the losses of that Alabama's had since 2008 that were in the regular season in which they had an SEC opponent like right after that. So it wasn't like, oh, hey, you've got a month to prepare for like a bowl game and you've got yeah, all these other that's, factors that's going exactly. on. 
And so there was only like five instances of that coming into this. Mississippi State, Georgia. Um, Against SEC competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was ruling out the cupcakes and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so, yeah, Mississippi State was – this was so this was the sixth such game, and Mississippi State has been the opponent in four of those games, which is just right. wild. There's one in 2012, I believe, that was Western Carolina after a loss. Or maybe it was 2011. Yeah, I ruled that out. But, it, but then they they won 49-0, and they also beat Auburn the following week 49-0. So it's like somewhat right. similar. So I know we had all these after a loss stats and with, I, mm-hmm. I said this coming in, like with McElroy and Joe Tess on the call, we knew that we were going to get a lot of those conversations. And mm-hmm. that's what, that's what the production was going to steer in the direction of, but I was still like, look, I, I get all of that. And I, I'm going to feel like an idiot afterwards saying that I think may, may, maybe Mississippi state can, can at least hang around. I thought Bam was going to win this game by yes. So I thought Bam was going to win this game by two touchdowns, uh-huh. but I picked Mississippi state to cover the spread. And I'll say this, I wanted to see Alabama play four quarters on the road. They had a negative road scoring margin in those two games, AM at Florida, in which they played down their competition, both of those. I want to see this band. Was it actually, by one point? Yeah, which is still a wild <laughs> okay. thing to think about, though. But think yeah. about that. Think yeah. about that. So, like, we come to expect Bama looking a certain way on the road, and they are the ultimate silencer. Mm-hmm. And up to this point, this this very, very new group had not had a game like what they had on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And so what I wanted to see from this Bama team was, was simply getting those chunk plays, mm-hmm. having an impose your type of will defensive performance, which Will Anderson, goodness gracious, good luck. Well, the, that guy. Yeah, the, it's a defense. They're, they're okay. The defense is okay then still. They're okay. No, I think, I think I think the defense needed to show on the road. Look, mm-hmm. they got pushed. They got pushed back in both of those games, in the a- mm-hmm. game and in the Florida game, where they just had these busts, and it didn't look like they could stop the bleeding in those moments. Mm-hmm. There, there was no bleeding to be had against Mississippi State. I don't right. know. I don't think Will Rogers and his shoulder really made much of an impact. Seeing Mike yeah. Leach decide to throw the ball fifty-five times in a game in which his quarterback shoulder is hurt, whatever. That's well, they weren't going to run the ball. <laughs> they weren't going to run the ball at all. They didn't really care about that. Yeah. But I think that if you are going into this game saying, all right, what do we need to see from Bama? Midway point of the season. We're talking mid, mid-season takeaways. What do we feel like we need to see? Bama not play to a, down to its competition on the road. Just simple as that. If this is the gap in this division, then that's, yeah. that's, that's something that you have to be able to show because you don't want it to be a one-possession game. Like You don't want that crowd to be involved. You needed to take and that crowd out of the And you know damn well early. if they end up winning a one-possession game. And, and either of those environments that I heard you say earlier, it was the loudest place you ever heard in your life. A&M is a night game. It's 106,000 people against one of his former assistants, all those things. If they win those games close, they weren't going to get credit for it anyway. They, they were gonna. They were a thousand percent gonna just be. We we would just on like the idea. Not you personally. I'm just saying in general that well, they weren't that good. Florida lost to Kentucky, so they weren't that good. Florida pushed Bama around, and they did. Florida had the third best rushing offense in the country. Yeah, no, right. there's no doubt about it. That that was so. Like what I'm saying is like that was still a test. Mm-hmm. That that was still a, a test and a good one because you're still facing a guy Zach Garnett, who I think is one of the better rising defensive minds in this sport. He tried to blitz all the time. They did not work. Bryce Young looked incredibly poised whenever before, he saw I was the blitz. He couldn't throw against the, against the blitz. He was yeah, like, and, you know and Mike Elko was bringing all these different pressures in and stuff like that. And then with Arnett, it's like, oh, he's going to send everything in the kitchen sink. Hope it works. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. They had these busts in the secondary, and it looked like they were be basically able to do whatever they wanted in the passing game. You get those plays of thirty plus yards from Matchy Williams Robinson. Will and I had set the over/under on one point five Will Anderson sacks. That went way over. Um, yeah, that was way more. too conservative. I think he could have had 12 on Saturday yeah. if he played all game. But thinking, all right, this this now, this, if, if Bama has figured some things out and this isn't going to be 2010 all over again, it's going to be a little bit more reminiscent of a, of a 2014, a 2015. Yeah, so that's why I wanted to get your take on. Toughest home game left for Bama. Tennessee, 
mm-hmm. LSU, Arkansas. Tennessee. Which one of those Tennessee scares you the most? Yeah. I mean, like, because of the way they run their offense and stuff like that. And they run, if Tyon Evans is, is, is healthier, Katie Jefferson's back. better than I thought. But I mean, like, um, LSU doesn't scare me at all. Arkansas doesn't just because their defense. Here, here's the thing that bothers me with the Bama stuff. And, and that is, it, it's just, I've, I kind of forgot how no matter what, and it's probably me personally, this is what I got into with Doring when I brought up, I, they, they brought up like, it's going to be close, dude. Like, they're, they're, Corso said the same thing. It's going to be a close game, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I thought that the Ole Miss game would be close, right? I didn't necessarily think the Florida game would be close. Dan Mullen, we, we just we do just jump through mental hoops to give credit to who we want to give credit to. I heard the whole thing from, you know, A&M was unranked. The defense looks awful. Okay, so just walk me through how this whole process in, in somebody's mind works because last week it was these exotic blitzes, not exotic blitzes, but these blitzes, like Bryce Young can't read a blitz. He's got a happy feet. He can't, I watched it and watched the offensive line who's been shit all year look terrible and not know how to like block anything. I also watched an offensive coordinator call on third and one on the goal line of pass play. And then after that, abandon the run for the next 15 plays and have 13 passes and two runs. And then when you get to the red zone in the second half, when you have a running back averaging 6.1 yards of carry, you throw the ball eight times to one, to one run. Bam is a Cameron Latou catch for a half second longer. Um, like from winning that foot, that game, no matter how bad they played, right. You still give all the credit to A&M. What we saw last night, and, and Bama will not get credit for it, is there have been cracks in the foundation for – I've been saying this since last year. Mechie's not going to win you a football game. He's not no, that kind I of guy. Agree. He's not a game changer. He's no, Jameson not. Williams is a game changer. I don't think he's going to go out there and win you a football game like Devontae Smith would. Agreed. You don't – like Ryan Robinson's great. I love him. Like I, He's like a Blake Sims almost, maybe a little bit more talented at running back. Like He's he's not as good as Najee and that kind of stuff. There are holes in that defense, and, and, you've, been, and you've seen this happen at times. But this whole narrative of, you know, Golding's got to be fired. Bama's not. What bothers me about that is they Calzada in every other game. Zach Calzada in every other game has averaged about 153 yards passing. His career high was 183. He got that in the first half against Bama. Like the QBR was an average of 44. He, he was um, like he bought, he was Stephen Garcia 2.0, just bottom line. And, he, and they deserved to win that game. And it was an incredible performance coming out of the tent and all that kind of stuff. But the whole fire golding thing because of Bama not looking good on the road against a very talented team. Where was that the week before when they played the number one team in the country in terms of offense, in terms of first half scoring offense, in terms of yards per game, rushing yards, when he held Ole Miss to zero points. Oh, it was really good. And then I didn't hear any of it then. I I, I didn't hear a single word about it. And then you have the fact like he, he held Lane Kiffin in a game where everyone was like, you know, Kiffin, they, they just come off a bye week. You know, he was ready to go. You have the Heisman front runner. You hold him to zero points and the lowest totals for total yards, rush yards, and points. This is the second year in a row that he's held a Mike Leach team. And I know he didn't call the plays last night, but this defense that sucks so bad, they held a Mike Leach team to zero touchdowns for the second year in a row. Golding's always going to be the whipping boy. That's not going to change. That, that's right. not going to change. But it's, like, it's, it's, but, it's what he comes in. It, it's the qualifications. It's yeah. the fact that people thought that he didn't deserve a position of that stature. They look at Pruitt. They look at Kirby. Mm-hmm. Like that's just never going to change. He's he's just no. always going to be in that role, and so he's never going to get the, the the credit in the great moments, and he's always going to get more of the blame in the bad moments. Just that's the, just the, reality. The 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 reasons for why Bama would not be good, like like you know, that's what I get. Think is like so so dumb because we're talking about all these things. And none of it is the stuff of why they're actually not like, I mean, the, they're not going to beat Georgia because 
they don't have an offensive. Like if Elko's defense did that against them, like when you're somewhat disguising looks and you're, you're bringing, but he's only bringing five at most. Oh, they're going to do with that. How much movement. Oh, That's the first thing that. I said. I, I said the same thing against, against Florida. I said, now imagine that defense and that offensive line against Georgia's front seven and see how that yep. looks. Mm-hmm. If you only had 91 yards rushing in, that's why they're going to lose that game. So I, I just think that like the whole, they're not, they're not built, I think, to be as elite as they were, you know, in years past. And that's, sure. it, it, a lot of it has to do with the receiver and the offensive line. That's about it. Agreed. Um, let's do uh, any takeaways from Anna Mizzou or Vandy, South Carolina, other than like Zeb Nolan, probably should be the starter for South Carolina for the rest of the year. Maybe shout out to 37 year old Zeb Nolan for coming in there and legend. That was, that was something. Yeah. I think that was the only games. I mean, um, is there one we're missing? I feel like we're missing one, but probably not. No, we got the, yeah, we, we've got all of them. Cause look, one, two, it was a good day of football man. the past three weeks in a row have been really good days of football. So I think, uh, that's, that's all I have. If you're going to talk like, um, big picture stuff before we get in the fourth and wrong. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's do that. And, um, by the way, uh, oh yeah, real, real quick on Zach Calzada. Speaking of that, do you think he should be the starter when Haynes King returns? Because no. I don't. <laughs> I, if it was after last week, I mean, like, dude, hats off to that kid for what he did against Bama. The ball never hit the ground in the first half against him. He, he threw an interception, but like, he was thirteen of fourteen. I, they had they had a great game plan, bo- both sides of the ball. But no, he should not be the starter. Zach Calzada is going to apply at a, for a job at Enterprise Rent a Car one a day. At one day, this is they what you say. The tools. <laughs> and he's going to have at the top of his resume. I went off against Bama. I look, I hope the best for Zach Calzada. I really do. Maybe he's, he's going to probably make a ton of money. Somebody's going to hook him up. Somebody in College Station, Billy Lucci, our guy at TechSex, he's going to make sure that Zach Calzada is oh, taken yeah. care of for providing that joy in that moment. Nobody could ever take that away from him. So I, I don't mean to, to smirch the great name of Zach Calzada. Somebody brought up the fact, like too, because like like you, your first question was like, how how are you dealing with like the loss? It was like, you know, my favorite comment from a fan was that it's like, don't even start with this typical Bama BS. Like, oh, we can still run the table, we could still win the national title. It's like, right, but they can, and they've done it so many times in the past with one loss. Like, it's just anyway. We're at the midseason point, which is crazy, wild, terrifying. I don't really like to think about that. We're kind of past the midseason point to a certain it's extent because the thing I miss least about you is that I know, I know, <laughs> I hate it. I always gotta, I always gotta have these landmark dates and all that stuff. The playoff conversation is all over the place, especially mm-hmm. after Iowa decided not to show up against Purdue. Congrats to the Hawkeyes for reminding us that offense still kind of important in 2021 going to be able to score po- going to still need to score points to win a football game. Just throwing that out there. Right. Kirk Ferentz, take that if you will, whatever, just my opinion. The playoff conversation for Cincinnati. This was the one that I've been on. on. This is the one that I've been on since May. So yeah. I, I'm going to continue to bang the drum on this whole deal. If Cincinnati runs the table, mm-hmm. they're not getting left out. They're not. I disagree. I, I don't think I agree. I think they should be included. I, they played their schedule. They had two. I mean, your your alma mater did not help um, with like the rest of the season so far. Yeah. But I mean, like, you go on the road at Notre Dame and beat them. Like, but what, what worries me is they still have like like a according to ESPN, and I, this is different everywhere. Apparently, I might have to talk to you off, off air about how to even research this again. But their strength of schedule is like 89th in the country. I don't think it matters. I honestly, I, I think I, I think the most important thing is the who you beat. It's showing that upside to people, but it's going, it's see with group of five. It's not just this year. It's showing that you can stay on the field 
with Georgia like they did in the Peach Bowl. And mm-hmm. if we want to get into the discussion about Georgia wasn't motivated, that game, well, Georgia was no, trying no. to win that football game. Yeah. Like that's so that's their only loss in the last dating back now to the beginning of last year. And that is the conversation that's going to be had. And if you're going to put a group of five team into the playoff, which right now Cincinnati is sitting there in the AP poll in the top three. We're recording this uh new number two, aren't week. they? Yeah, they're probably gonna be number two. They're probably gonna be number two, which is a wild thing to think about. Mm-hmm. But if Cincinnati runs the table in the AAC, which has been getting increasingly more respect from the college football playoff selection committee. I think they're, they're going to be in now where it gets interesting is what happens to not just the ACC. Cause I don't really actually think the ACC is that much a part of this. The best thing that's happened since this breakup is, is Clemson sucks. <laughs> like they're like bad. Yeah. We haven't really, really talked a whole lot about Clemson together. Nor should uh, we? <laughs> yeah. They're, they're not, they're not relevant, but the big 10 part of this, I'd love to get your take on this whole deal because oh boy. There was a point in which you thought, you know what? Two SEC teams, two Big Ten teams. That's not totally crazy. I thought that would be a foregone conclusion. I kind of thought it was possible. And then Iowa does a very Iowa-like thing. You're picking one team from the Big Ten to make it to the playoff. Who you got? Ohio State. Like, I, I think, I, I hate to say that, that cliche. We joked around on the podcast of our hot takes that we have to give. It's like, it was like, is there a path for four SEC teams to get in because of like the way the season was like unfolding? But I think the Big Ten West, Big Ten East is is better this year than the SEC West. I really do. I, I think that like, mm. now I will say this too. I had this conversation with Dustin Schutte because I, like, you know, I, I can be objective about it because I, I think that those Michigan, I think Michigan's legit. I mean, they, they run the football. I think they're built better than they've been in the past. I think, um, I think Ohio State is still scary good on offense. Now they have like, it's a first year starter. Like if there's one thing I'm confident in about Ryan Day, it's that he's always going to have rosy Santa cheeks and he's also going to always develop a quarterback. Like if he's, that, that's just what they're going to do. Michigan State, I was told from Dustin Schutte, our buddy, uh, like last week, that he thinks they had, they would have the best chance of beating Alabama in the SEC uh, or the Big Ten East because of how dynamic their offense is. I love Dustin. I do too. I love Kenneth Walker. Mm-hmm. Great story. Great Mel story. Tucker. Mel Tucker is going to be rumored for big time jobs, not just in college, but in the NFL. If you mm-hmm. saw the Bruce Feldman report on Saturday morning, a name that is very well liked within those close circles in Baton Rouge, something to keep in mind. Having said that, no, no, I, I don't think I, so. After that loss to AM, I still thought Bama is, I think Bama is still the second best team in the country. I don't think that they deserve to go to the playoff at all, at all, at all. And they aren't going to go. Like, because now you got to beat Georgia to get into it, and you're not going to beat Georgia in general. And this is not like a hedge from the past. This is like Georgia's a 14 point better team than Alabama. Question. So, this will, and this will feed into the a Heisman question that I saw being asked, and I hated oh, I that it was being asked. Caleb Williams. How no. much? No, 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 no. I don't want, I agree with you on that. The Heisman okay. conversation, I saw it thrown out by Jason Kersey, who does great work covering Oklahoma for the athletic. I disagree with the notion mm-hmm. that a person who plays half the season can be eligible for the Heisman trophy. Give me, give me Jordan Davis, a guy who plays 40% of a team snaps over that. My question about this, Caleb Williams to Oklahoma this year, is that a little bit potentially reminiscent of 2017 Bama once Tua came in? Is it capable of being that team that just needs that shot of life where you see the cracks in the foundation and then all of a sudden, like, wait a minute. Oh, we have a more talented backup. This kid, this kid's going to come in. 
Like that, I, I love that. Gotta, that's the only, that's a great, you're so good at making comps. I forgot about that. Like that's a good comp, except for the fact that Jalen Hurts is a really likable kid. Spencer sure. Rattler is the least good likable point. player in college football. And, and he good has point. been the start of the season. I like so, his logo. So, but the, I hate that kid. I just, anyway, but that kid, I, I, like Oklahoma's undefeated. They, they, they were, pro, they're probably going to get in regardless because they, the competition and we saw what he did last night. So I could I could possibly see that. I don't it's difficult to make the comp a little bit because Tua is we all know the second 26 thing and he had three touchdown passes, but he was going up against a much better defense. Caleb Williams is gonna put up some crazy numbers. He is, he really is. And if you've seen the kid, if you've read about the kid, and if you were discounting Oklahoma, you are all of a sudden looking at the team with Alex Grinch's defense, which is playing well, came into that game top 15 and run defense as well after oh. having the rough start against Tulane. I'm not selling myself on Oklahoma winning a national championship, I'm not saying that. My prediction coming into the year was that they were going to have a very 2017 Rose Bowl type of game uh-huh. in the semifinal, yeah. lose that game, and it was going to still be Lincoln Riley's best team. But now I'm looking at that Oklahoma team, and I'm like, man, maybe they won't lose in the regular season. They'll probably still lose. They'll no, find I, a way to lose I a game. I think they, they would not lose. I, I, would, I would like that take better than they're good because of their defense because that's just never the case. I, I just, I'll never fall for that again. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma is at least now more interesting with Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of goes into the Heisman conversation. I, look, we're not going to sit here and discuss a guy who's going to play half a season for, right. for the Heisman. Yeah, so in 2020, they're not going to have a Big Ten do that. It's just, yeah, that's, that's a one-time thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At this point of the year, if you were picking someone to win the award, and it's a narrative-driven award, so this is – take it for what it is, mid-October. Yeah. I would still go with Corral, and I know I'm biased in that regard because I've been banging the drum on that for a bit now. And I've been saying, if you are discounting his Heisman chances, even after the Bama loss, yeah. I said, you, the, the things he is capable of doing from a statistical standpoint, even if his team goes nine and three, which now I think they're, they could go 11 and one, they could go 11 and one, they have 11 and one upside. Yeah. All of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. If he puts up numbers that are similar to Lamar Jackson, who did not get a conference championship game to play in, there is a real possibility that Matt Corral is going to be your Heisman trophy winner. Yeah. Where do you kind of stand on that argument? Would you take rest of the way if we're projecting far out? Who would be who would be your guy? Top three: Bryce Young, Brian Robinson Jr., Paul Paul Tyson, Evan Neal too. Evan Neal, yeah. The no, so I think it, it astonishes me that that Bryce Young still has the like top like uh, or has the best odds shared with Corral. Yeah. It's it's Corral for me, and it's no one else besides Kenneth Walker from Michigan State. Like like that kid. For whatever reason, Michigan State is is basically just Kentucky of the Big Ten. The kid is the kid has put up ridiculous numbers, and I don't know the competition he's faced, but I know that the numbers are completely different and head and shoulders above everyone else at his position in the country. And I would argue he's probably the reason why they're they're any good from the outside looking in. Peyton Thorne's pretty good too, as well. But yeah, yeah. he's he's the guy. I I think that the the Corral's numbers, especially if they go eleven and one. Kiffin has this like untouchable, like, you know, like he's just Kevlar, right? right? Like, or like, not, is that Ke- it's not Kevlar? What is it? Teflon. Like nothing sticks to him. Like yeah. if they go 10 and two, if they get a mark, they need a marquee win, which I'm not sure if that's on the schedule, but um, Corral needs a kind of like a back and forth, a big time, like, like what we saw last year against Bama to, I think, solidify it because they're not going to get this championship game. What was Lamar Jackson's marquee win? Florida State 2016? Florida State team went, went to a New York Six Bowl and lost. destroyed them. The Clemson loss, right? Yeah, I mean, so yeah, that's why I think like it doesn't just if he goes eleven and one. I mean, I think he's the most outstanding player in the country, and it's not even close. We saw it last night. 
The He's other so one that is not getting enough attention is Bijan Robinson from Texas. Having a hell of a year. That kid can play. Oh my I just, gosh. I really, what I, what I wonder is if, is if this is going to, what's going to happen this year is like, because if you're looking at the way voters have voted on it for the past like 10 years off and on, Stetson Bennett would probably be Skip Bayless's pick to, to win the Heisman. Like, right. like he's the best, he's the quarterback on the best team. Gino I Torella. hope that this is what, like in the same way that Cincinnati should, should go uh, to the playoff. Cause I, I agree with you on that. I, this is the kind of year where you should give it to a kid. If, it's, if they're nine and three and they would have been six and six without this guy, like how does that not count for something? Desmond Ritter is going to be part of the conversation. I don't as well. think that should be the case. With yeah. the, I, I don't think he should win the award. I, I think there are players at his position that are more dynamic. Jerome Ford, the former Bama back, is doing yeah. some big, big things in that backfield. But he's going to be in the conversation as well. He'll get a little bit of the sympathetic sort of thing because if we're looking for, like last year, it's like, all right, this hasn't been done before in the yeah. 21st century. We're going to give the receiver the Heisman. And, mm-hmm. oh, hey, we haven't seen a group of five, a non-Power 5 player win the Heisman Trophy in over 30 years. Can this happen? So, like, I think it's like a Navy quarterback situation where they just invite him to invite him. Right. I think that's what will end up happening. That that could that that could definitely happen. Um, Shout out to Keenan Reynolds, who actually knew um, I I knew his college roommate, which is crazy. Yeah, for like reporting on a story like four years ago, something like that. Anyways, um, but yeah, the the Heisman combo for me, Corral needs to be the needs to be the favorite moving forward. Yeah. Marler, do you want to pull up some fourth and wrong? Let's do yeah. it, dude. It's been good. Right. Um, okay. Right. <laughs> okay. So I haven't looked at these until right now. We'll just start with, uh, you, you have it up. I, 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 I just want you to read it off. Okay, I got me. you. I don't even have it up right now. This is my favorite one uh, that I've seen so far. Reed cousin says better defense, Bama 2011, UGA 2021, or Marler defending coach O for the last 12 months. Oh, Hmm. I'm going to go with UGA because yeah. I can't imagine they've been as relentless as you have <laughs> or that you have been as relentless as they have um, seeing Nicobe Dean in space and, uh, and Trey Walker and some of these guys. I, yeah, no, I, I, I'm not going to give you that one. Are you still like banging the drum? Like coach no. needs. Okay. Just no. making sure. I love Baton Rouge though. And that like got me out of like the funk. I was Oh my God. I had so much fun, dude. Mickey, like, he did make me sleep on a trundle bed. And if he's listening right now, I want to let him know I'm so upset about that. But dude, we You've slept on much worse than that. Without a doubt. And also we started the trip off with a, it took me 10 and a half hours to get there, Connor. And we started the night out at the casino. I have no idea what I did wrong, but Mickey was a trooper. So went to the casino first night, two years in a row. Went what, up did like, you walk there? I, dude, you have, yeah, I came in hot. It was bad, but we won like 450 on the craps table night one. And then slept How do you like, always do that when you go to New Orleans? I think, yeah, it's just God. I think God just knew I needed a break. <laughs> It was like, it was awesome, dude. Um, okay. So I will say I haven't been banging the drum for Coach O at all. I, I, up until a couple of weeks ago, I think it's kind of, I just don't think the LSU fans realize how bad that program was before Saban got there. And I think it's like unreasonable to think you're going to get a Saban or a guy like even less miles at this point because of how, un, like he wouldn't do a national championship 15 games ago. And now it's like, you know, and he's, he's gone. Like, like he is absolutely gone. Yeah, he should be. No, I agree. But like, uh, what what I will say also is, if you're one of the people, because the person I've heard most from, like, cl- like close to the program they want is Kiffin, and if you're thinking that well, Coach O's embarrassed us off the field, and there's that picture of him with a young blonde, and he says stuff he shouldn't say, and then your next sentence is, we should bring in Kiffin, that they don't care about that. Say it until you hear it out loud. Um, I'll say, I said this actually on radio this morning. UGA 2021 is a better defense than Bama 2011 because of the depth. It's like the, the, that Bama defense was awesome, 
but you couldn't name any of the second stringers. Like like the sec- the the kids that play second team were all big the following years when they became starters. Georgia rotates all these guys constantly, and they're just loaded. You know what's weird about Georgia too is that if you watch a whole Georgia game for like three and a half hours, count the amount of times that you hear a specific player in the secondary mentioned, because the secondary can't even get tested. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know, and that's not to take away anything from like you know Lewisine and and Kaylee Ringo had himself a, had himself a nice day against Kentucky as well, but you just don't even hear these guys get mentioned because the no. front seven just takes care of everything, and you don't even see tackles getting made at the second yeah. level. I haven't done like the breakdown of what the secondary tackles are, but that's usually, that used to be the sign of a bad defense. If your three leading tacklers are your safeties, you're probably not very good up front. Georgia's Georgia is in a a totally different category when it comes to that. And that, that to me just kind of shows you everything, you know, the front seven, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And we're going to continue to heap praise onto them until they give us reason otherwise. And and, and then also I'm sure a lot, as we do that, uh, Georgia fans will, will assume that I'm still talking about them. Um, but, and, and so is the rest of the country, but like, they, yeah, I got you. but they had like, um, the other, the other part of it too, is like, you remember that, that Bama LSU game that we always talk about, like, uh, the national title where like, they didn't cross like the 50 yard line or whatever that Bama defense was suffocating mainly because that everyone was still in a time where they're trying to run the football. This <laughs> it's just like drop back and run for your life, dude. Um, yeah. so that's my answer. Michael Spencer, Billy asked if I got an air fryer. So we've already uh, addressed that. Um, I'm not going to say that one sec coaches, uh, competing in a field day who wins the following events the sack race the 50 yard dash the egg carry oh gosh the sack race i, I think you need some sort of composure i am that is not a power driven thing so you rule sack out race? yeah you can't like drag your opponent i'm thinking of the billy madison scene where Eric tries to drag his his very small little kid. Well, that's a three-legged race. The sack race is like the potato sack. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, that's like true explosion, okay. Connor. Oh, okay, good point. Um, they should do that at the combine then. <laughs> that's like the broad jump of of yard games. It honestly is. Mm, that's a okay. good point. God, that's a good that's a good point. I think Harson. I think we, we we've made this comp before. Harson looks like a CrossFit guy. Yeah. Very he, much so. Harson, I mean, like I'll just say it. Harson's a hot ass dude, man. He like he looks real good. He looks like somebody that probably wears. He's like Cole's rich. Like he probably <clears throat> wears like bedazzled Cole jeans, Cole's jeans. But he's he's a good looking dude. He's in very good shape. He's regular rich, five million bucks a you year. Sound, but he know? shops at Cole still. Eh, yeah, I, he's a big athleisure guy. Yeah, he even anything but athleisure. He <sighs> he would be my pick to win at least two of those, and then. Beamer's had some good looks too. I'll say this about the guy. Mm. People kind of view him as this smaller guy. I know he's the college holder or he's the college long snapper. So he's not built in the way that some of these guys were, but Beamer's had some looks where you're like, Oh, he's still getting after it in the gym. Right. So I wouldn't put it past him to win one of these competitions. Now in terms of the, the, the egg, what what do you call it? The egg uh, egg race. That's uh, the egg on the spoon. You need balance. You need composure. Yeah, Saban's still going to be the guy to win that. See, I think you're wrong about all these things. Uh, I, I don't think that, that Beamer's in good shape. I love him to death, but I think he's just got a great metabolism. He just seems like the kind of dad that's like, yeah, you know, we're getting Chick-fil-A again. But it doesn't matter because anything I eat, I just, I'm still going to be like in, in, in beach shape. Um, sack race and 50-yard dash. I think this is a two-man race between Kirby and, and Harson the whole time because Kirby is still somehow an athlete. I, like sprinting down the sideline, you can jump. I got him in the 50 yard dash for sure. The egg carry, I would probably take Beamer. And then the sack race, um, I would take, uh, 
I would probably take Harson. I wouldn't. T- I actually, Sackers would probably take Kirby too. So I don't, I don't know. I asked um, Kobe Dean if he could beat Kirby in a race, and he said he could still take him, but he hesitated. So I'll take that for what it is. <laughs> um, let's see here. Okay, so these are people just said that are excited about the show. One person said, "This is, I'm excited for our court ordered visitation." Um, okay, here's a good one. Bra- Bradley Zane Zimenick, uh, greatest modern sitcom. Maybe, so maybe like not The Office. Maybe we say like. Cause that's, you know, that was like our go-to the office modernized sitcoms. I'll say that because yeah, true. it got rid of the laugh track. God, that was the worst. Like how's Roseanne still on TV? I don't need to be told when to laugh. All right. Yeah. It's funny. I'll laugh. Brooklyn nine, nine is phenomenal. And I'm yeah. so sad that it just came to an end. Yeah. Watching those last episodes got a little bit sentimental, even though that was one of those shows that we watched in the very beginning of, pand- of the pandemic and then binge watched all of it. And then just rewatched or we watched like the last season together, but the early seasons were so good. Oh, excellent. I think modern family had its day. Yeah. Faded, definitely faded, but the way that they weave storylines, such a well-written, good, good show. There are a lot of people, and I, I'm not like an HBO Showtime yeah. person or anything like that. Just, I just we don't watch a ton of TV, so I don't. There, there are probably a lot of answers there. Like people are going to say, like Party Down or something like that. I love Shit's Creek. I think Shit's Creek. Yeah, I never got into it. I just couldn't do it. I think it's because the the mom's voice was just like I get, I get <laughs> it. But I was like, oh so my fun. god. Dave, the, I mean, the David moment, is incredible. The moment when you realize that that is Kevin's mom from Home Alone. That aha moment Ugh. when that hits you is yeah. incredible, and it hit me like late season one. I, I, so I would say, I would probably say something something like that. Parks and Rec is is yeah. probably if we're talking like modern sitcoms. If you're including Modern Family, you got to include Parks and Rec. But that that would kind of be my list. Community was like really good for two seasons. We just watched all of that, but then yeah. it got so weird, and they didn't develop a single storyline. And when, when Troy leaves, you're just like, all right, Donald this. Glover from Some Mountain, Georgia. I know. Rock I, think it, I think of that all the time. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't put that one in that category either. So for me, I would say, because obviously it's still like my go-to, um, I got really big into Law & Order, uh, SVU. Not a sitcom. It's not, not a sitcom. A, it is not funny. And if you are laughing at that, is, it, that is, we got to talk. You're, it's, you're it's twisted, a problem. Yeah. Um, so this, I don't know if this is technically a sitcom, but I will say um, that Ted Lasso is the greatest TV show I've ever watched. It, it, it is. Really? So have you seen it at all? So I haven't yet, and I, I, that's, I know, I'm, I'm an idiot. I need, we need to be able to do that. Don't have the Apple TV setup. I think you would like it, but I also think that, like, I mean, you're already like a, a super positive person, so it's like, I don't, I don't feel like you need many pick me ups, right? Like in a, in a positive way. So, but like Ted Lasso, I remember somebody describing this last year. They were like, this in 2020, how awful 2020 was, and it was like. I feel like the country needed this TV show. And I was like, well, that is definitely an overreaction. And then I watched it, and I was like. Oh my, it's the most positive, the way they tie it, like the, the ending to the season was a little frustrating. It is, it's, it's the best show I think I've ever watched. Like of like, of like TV for real. It, it is, it's just, it's, it is so great and, and how like it's well-written and it's, it's, it's funny. It picks you up. It's really good. Um, good answer. Uh, Alex Chance, who are your celebrity lookalikes besides Liam Cohen and uh, for Connor? The, the, okay. So I explained this last week on the pod yeah. and how, how crazy and weird it is. And it, it has been acknowledged from all parties. Yeah. Every possible party that I have brought this up to has said, yep, there is not one person who I've brought that up to and said, ah, you know, I don't really, I don't really see. no, 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 no. This is, this is a legit thing. Same breed of human. We are family right. lineage. It, it's somewhere back there. Um, 
you know, before I've gone to get my hair cut done and maybe definitely the stylist who's cutting my hair, who was looking for a decent sized tip may or may not have, but definitely did say, Hey, has anyone ever told you you look like Ryan Gosling? So oh my God. <laughs> so I've gotten that one, I guess. Connor, but, you're you know, a good dude. You're in great shape. You do not look like Ryan Gosling. This is supposed to be a positive I, I, segment. I, there's a lot of positive. You're a good look. You, but like, you're both good looking. You're not as good looking as Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling is like. So she was just looking world. for a tip is what you're telling me. I'm not. That's not your, you know, again, she's. I don't know. If, I don't know the right cop because you're more attractive than Liam Cohen. He actually has acknowledged that as well. Stoops has acknowledged that. <laughs> Never too. let him forget it either. No, I won't. Jordan, Rod- I said this last week. Jordan Rogers told me that I am the, like Liam Cohen would use my face on his dating yeah. profile. That's good. As like, as like, Hey, this is, this is what I aspire to look like. Yeah. So he calls plays better than I do, but overall, I think facially the, the, the shape and yeah. all, the, the jaw and all that genetics stuff. and God like, really looked, they favored you. All those things. And he how about Jordan Rogers, man? What is a little a little humble brag there? Like like how far we've come from that? I'm I'm yeah. Oh, we talked about that too. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, and like Jordan's great and he's a good um, dude, man. Sh- shameless plug. That story is hopefully going to come out on Friday. Okay. Jordan, Cole, and Tom uh, story that I was able to do, but the having him say that with yeah. how highly regarded his looks are, right. Maybe the the biggest compliment yeah, I've ever gotten. In my that's actually life. really that's a really good point. I think. What, um, what about because you you've had you've had a few that you've gone all over the place. Rachel Maddow. Rachel Maddow. Come on, we got to yeah, move off that. I, one. Yeah, agreed. So I, I get that, but um, so like I've I've like lost a bunch of weight after 2020, and I I know that because um, we joke around about this on the podcast because we are no longer an Oregon State podcast. Uh, we are uh, after the Baton Rouge trip. I jokingly said I was an Auburn, we were an Auburn podcast. Um, and you can just, you know, insinuate from what that means. Like, it's like, obviously joking are you an around Oregon podcast now. What's that? Morehead? Are you an Oregon podcast now? We're, Morehead? we're not, we're not, we're not there yet, but still right. Right. Um, like watching those two States play against each other, Oregon and cows, like it just fall off into the ocean. Uh, but anyway, no, they um, like, I was like, we, I had a great weekend. It was a lot of fun. And there was this very, very attractive, pretty girl, that was there. And, um, and she said, has anyone ever told you like Justin Timberlake? And I was like, I'm back. I am back. Like that's what, that's what like might've brought me back to life to be honest. So Marler, 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 don't start Marler. with me. Don't say a word, Connor. I I'm like, I'm right. I'm on I, step look, three. Look, 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 look. If we're going to make a comp, don't you dare to a member of NSYNC. <laughs> I don't like where this is. I swear to God. I'm not going to say that you're Joey Fatone. Are you, are you, are you I'm not right going to say that you're Joey Fatone who lives in Orlando. This is ridiculous. I think they all like still on property there. You're not JT. Okay. I'm not Joey Fatone, dick. You're not Joey Fatone. You're not JT. Who is the guy in 98 degrees that they try and hide? <laughs> <laughs> not Nick. Not Nick's like brother. TJ or something stupid. I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> not Brian. Uh, is that his name? I don't know. There's a Brian yeah. in every boy band. Um, well, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with this, but um, I got it from multiple people, and it was good to hear. And it was, whoa, good. yeah. I mean, like I used to get it back in the day, Houston's. I don't think, I mean, it's, but it's also like specifically bad teacher where he was like a virgin that dry humped a pillow. So that's also mm. not a win for me. It's like it's like a win and a loss, you know. So basically, you're listening to a podcast, uh, and in the intro, we'll go edit this out. Right. Um, hello, and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. I am Ryan Gosling. He is Justin Timberlake. Yeah, Justin. 
What do we think about? No, I'm kidding. Is it just all arrogance rest of the way? Um, all right, let's do like two more. Um, because there's a lot of good ones on here, I think. Um, Both Mickey Mouse Club, by the way. Um, yeah, there's the connection. We don't talk about that enough. Favorite, uh, this is like Halloween themed, like spooky movies. I'm, I'm just a hocus pocus guy. You're not a scary movie guy, are you? No, no I'm not either. Um, uh, okay, we already did the chicken sandwich one before. Is it still faux pas for a girl to ask a guy out on a date? Not at all. Do I completely it. agreed. Yeah. Nothing wrong Shoot with that shot, whatsoever. Man. Shoot your shot. Who cares? Yeah. Love um, is love. Do what you need to do to, to be able to make that push to a person that you might have a connection with. Yeah. I, I know I haven't been around the dating world in a while, but I, I think there is Bruh. absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I completely agree with that. Okay. Would you rather give up your favorite food forever? This is from Mickey Sherry, or wake up every morning with a 5% chance of you being completely covered head to toe in peanut butter approximately 18 peanut butter days a year. What if peanut butter is my favorite food? So, yeah, I mean, you would probably, mm. oh, I get what you're saying. Now. Yeah, mm. that's a good point. Dilemma. The files are in the computer. Yeah. Um, no, I would, I would give up the favorite food. I think I would give up the favorite food. I would be willing to not have, look, peanut butter is probably not my favorite food. It's, it's, it's definitely up there, but I could go without steak, I think. For the rest of my life, because there's, there are enough comps to be able to make me yeah. feel like, Hey, this is, this, this is still satisfying that itch. I, I almost like salmon more than steak at this point. I, I just love salmon. You, I, love it's, salmon. Like, it's, I mean, it's good, but it's like, so steak, <sighs> man. Okay. Let, you know what? Let's, let's, well, I know it's like one o'clock right now. We're recording it's the Let's, um, and I, the bears are about to play. I'm assuming, right? Yeah, oh yeah, they're playing the Packers this week. Okay. I forgot about that. So um, we're, we'll sign off with one more question and then and then we'll like respond to the stuff like in the Facebook group or whatever. But here's my question to you because you had, um, I hated your take about hot dogs. I for, I legitimately forgot about how good your comps can be about about different stuff. Okay. Um, what is your what is your what you think is your best take right now? Not, like non football related. Oh dang! I was gonna say Malik Willis. Except Again, to Louisiana Monroe. <laughs> Um, yeah, the perfect best, timing for this pod. Oh no. So I've, I, I have received texts about this take from a couple people who listened to the show. One of which was hammered in Vegas and said, he discussed this with his buddies. Mm-hmm. And this is hundred percent true. Julia Roberts, home record, that take that Julia Roberts is a home record in oh. every movie that she does. Oh, you, that, but you brought this up before though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, so yeah. That's what I'm, I'm circling back to that. Okay. Origi- OG listeners of the yeah. podcast remember that take from probably mid-2020 when we talked about Hook. That's I made a graphic about it, yeah. Yes. And Julia Roberts is a homewrecker in every single movie that she is in, and you cannot convince me otherwise. That is the take that yeah. I I've, I've since watched about eight Julia Roberts movies, and <laughs> yeah. it's not changing anytime soon. <laughs> Let me it's tell you. It's in a movie called Stepmom. I mean... Yeah, come on. Like... <laughs> That's pretty good. She's typecast, but yeah. my best friend's wedding. I mean, biggest homewrecker role yeah. ever. Great movie. Shy Town, what up? There's another one that I'm blanking on right now that is like spot on, but I can't come. Oh, the, the Fentley. That's what it is. The Fentley. The 300 M? Yes. I've been that making that a, since like 2000. I, I effing hate that. I hate, It's like my least favorite thing. One of them. It, it is, it it is like the fake Bentley. Bentley. It is the fake Bentley. <laughs> it absolutely is. Tell look look at that car. Oh yeah, Chrysler. The, 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 it's the the Chrysler three hundred, right? Chrysler three hundred M. I've been. Yeah. I've, I used to get irrationally mad at people that I would see in public with them, like because they, they want to have a Bentley, and you right. have that brief moment where you're like, "Is that a Bentley?" Oh, oh no, it's just a Chrysler. Sorry to anybody who owns that car. 
Yeah. If but that's I why you bought it. Close to home. Yes. Or lease it or what? Like, Kent Williams did a joke about this. And he's like, I just want everyone in here to know right now that every single person that has a Chrysler 300M or has a, it looks like a Bentley. It's until not. it doesn't look like it. it's, it's not yes. a Bentley. It's, it's, I forgot the joke, but yeah, it's really good. Yes. So, what anyway, about you? What's your best take? Best non football take? My best non football take? Um, oh, man. That, um, let's see here. You know what? I'll tell you this. And I'll tell you this would be and, and uh, that the person you vote for doesn't is not how you are identified as a person. There you go. We're I'll going say, there. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like, no, because like where we were last was 2020, and I, there was just where where I'm, it has nothing to do with like politics in general. It's just I think the people, the things that we identify people with a lot of times is not who they are as a person, and it bothers me a lot. I see it on social media, like, and I probably can use a different example. It's like. You know, just like you, who you pull for, it's like your favorite team is not your entire identity. Um, so don't let somebody tell you that it is. That's all. We're talking about voting for the Heisman, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I, just, I just, I think like still with my job in social media, I think there's it's so easy for people to nail down an entire assessment of somebody over something that is like, let's just get to give yeah. people the benefit of the doubt more and all that good stuff. Chris has changed. He's not as negative as he was last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was one other one on there. It was like best couples costume um, in fourth round. I can't remember who brought that Ooh, up. A soap and or a worst couples costume. Worst couples costume. That's what it was. I don't know what that one would be. I do. What is it? Uh, there's two. There is Adolf Hitler and Eva Braun. Who did that? <laughs> this, this is from this old brain. The other one's OJ and Nicole, right? Okay. I'm so glad that you closed with this after I made like any reference to the word <laughs> politics. This is a huge save on my end. But yeah, I would think that if anybody, if you know, if you're Worst. thinking about dressing up for Hitler as Hitler for Halloween, don't do it. Maybe I'll stay in this year. And uh, a lot of a lot of different ways you can go if you're trying to dress up as OJ. A lot of different ways you can try and dress yeah. up if you're trying to do Nicole. And if it's for the Heisman, also don't vote for Hitler. I just I can't say that enough. He's not a good athlete. If Hitler is on your ballot, come on. <laughs> And Jordan Davis isn't. And Jordan Davis isn't. Jeez, what are we doing here? Good work. This is good. This was fun. This was a lot of fun. We're going to have to do something like this again. Um, maybe, I don't know. I don't know when the timing of it's going to line up to, to do an interest event more, but we're we're overdue to do something like that. <clears throat> yeah. um, it's great to be able to, to catch up. If you're not already subscribed to both podcasts, you absolutely should be. College Football Uncensored, Saturday on South Podcast. Also subscribe group. to... Yes, Saturday, Saturday Lives Forever podcast, and then join the Facebook group if you have not already. Saturday Down South podcast on Facebook, follow and on YouTube all forms of social media. Check yeah, we're big out. on YouTube, big yeah. on the YouTube. A lot of YouTube videos going up. Everybody is is, is all about the YouTube these days. If you don't have yeah. a YouTube channel that's constantly being uploaded, you're just not using your resources in the best possible way. So, yeah. got a lot of great content. Everything on SaturdayDownSouth.com right now is just pure, pure fire. A lot of great playoff takes that we're coming up with. So, Marler. What do you say to usually close? I don't know that. The F word. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, we just say, I think like, bye. I love y'all. It's a, I'm a positive person now. So yeah, you know, and listen, Tyler Simmons is offsides and um, we'll just talk to y'all later. Thanks guys. Talk soon.